Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 153, and you know what? We haven't talked Star Wars in a while, and it's probably because there hasn't been anything Star Wars worth talking about in a while, but um, Star Wars is always kind of that well that we can go to and just talk about for a while, and thankfully there's at least something Star Wars to talk about this week. I don't think it's good news, um... And I think it's a much bigger issue that is kind of being glossed over, but we'll talk about that. We'll burn that bridge when we get there. Uh, so this week, we're talking about our favorite Star Wars moments per movie. So we're going to go through all 11 theatrically released movies. No, the Clone Wars movie does not count for our list today, even though I know some of you are going to, well, actually, it did theatrically get released. We don't care. We're sticking with the 11 <laughs> live action movies. And even as someone that's seen some Clone Wars is that really how you want to be remembered for Clone Wars? Is that terrible yeah. movie? Yeah. <laughs> but before we get into all that, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm chilling, my dude. We're uh, uh, definitely doing research and kind of like some stuff on this list kind of got me hot for a minute. But uh, you know, I think we'll I think I'll be okay. Uh, yeah, no, it, yeah, like Clone Wars, the movie is fine. It, it does it does it's 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 just a thing that happens, but it's nothing compared to the show. So. Uh, I'm with you on that, but yeah, I mean, I'm just chilling. I just got my got my cup of coffee. I'm just chilling. Yeah, what you getting hot and bothered by Star Wars? No, no, never. No, <laughs> um, no. no. <laughs> so I haven't really been watching anything lately. Although uh, Heather and I have started in preparation for Spider-Man No Way Home. We're just like, you know what? We're gonna map this out and plenty of time ahead of time. We're going to go through all the Spider-Man movies so far. So we've started with the Raimi ones. Then we're going to go, obviously, Amazing, the Tom Holland ones, and into the Spider-Verse. Just because if they're advertising this to be like the Spider-Man Endgame movie, I'm like, well, I'm going to do what I did for Endgame. And just do all the prerequisite homework yeah. leading up to it. Plus, it's been a while since I've seen the Toby movies or even the Andrew ones. Um, holy crap, the pacing flies by at the beginning of that first toby one like he gets yeah. bit and gets his powers like within 10 to 15 minutes you're just like oh okay also there's significantly less uncle ben in that movie than i thought like yeah they waste no time axing him off i still enjoy it but it's of all the spider-man movies that have been made so far i think the first tom uh sam raimi spider-man is the most dated um in yeah. terms of like Heather and I joked of, like, it's basically Power Rangers fight choreography. It uh, basically is. Until they decide to actually go from Power Rangers to John Wick. Because even still to this day, I think one of the most brutal fights that I've ever watched in a movie is Peter Parker and Green Goblin at the end. Because mm -hmm. no background music and Spider-Man just getting his butt kicked. I'm just going, this is a little uncomfortable to watch. But, I mean, it's, it's good. Um, looks fantastic in 4K. They remastered a few years ago. It's definitely not the best Spider-Man movie. It's definitely a bit dated by today's standard, but it flies by a lot faster than I remembered. Um, and also, here's one of my hot takes that I'm sure people won't be pissed about. I don't really dig the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man suit. Yep. I, I've never particularly liked the raised webbing that they do. Like the no, really, really it's so thick, weird. Especially in, like, you, it's one of the wearable skins in the Sony uh, Spider-Man ps4 slash ps5 game and i put like extra emphasis on the white raised webbing and it kind of stands out a lot of just 
the suit's fine. It's really just not been my favorite. My favorite is still the Homecoming one. Fall very, very, like, by a hair, closely behind by the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit. The yes. only thing to change about the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit that would make it literally perfect is if the eyes could move like the Homecoming suits did. Yeah. But Oh, I agree. Um, yeah, man. No, yeah, it's that's you're not saying anything new to me. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think um, the as, as at least with the first one, the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Mans are kind of looked at through rose tinted glasses at times, and the first one, God, it's so dated. It, it's almost painful sometimes to watch, uh, but. I, the, even like the raised webbing thing never made sense to me even like when it when they when the suit came out because like from an aerodynamic standpoint that's like the worst idea ever to have like added drag on your suit that's so dumb it's well, so uh, it's also so that and like i still do not like nor will i ever like the webbing comes out of his skin thing i'm just going that's yes. so weird that that's james cameron's fault on that one i will say this is the only movie where like Mary Jane is at least tolerable. She hasn't gotten to super, super obnoxious levels like she will in the sequels, especially three. But I will say it was kind of hard to go back and watch this now and not think of the memes the entire time of watching this. Yeah. Like when Evergreen comes <laughs> on screen, you know how much I've sacrificed. You know, I'm something <laughs> of a scientist myself. I'm like, Heather and I are eyeballing each other the whole time, just going, this is played out a little bit, but. Yeah, <laughs> we still can quote this whole movie basically out of the memes alone. Yep. Oh man, I uh, being that a certain day came this past week. I was planning uh, on seeing it. Yeah. How's that work? Um, I watched uh, V for Vendetta this week, which is odd that like the week like uh, the week before I watched a ton of stuff and then this week i was like it eh, be for vendetta that's all i need this week <laughs> apparently um although it has like because my dad hadn't seen it and both my brothers hadn't seen it and my mom hadn't seen it um my mom kind of doesn't do well with like stressful situations and movies for some reason um so she kind of like half watched while she was eating dinner from the other room <laughs> um but like God, like watching this move, watching V for Vendetta in a post-COVID era is the weirdest and most surreal thing on the face of the planet. Because the movies from like 2005 and the comics from like the I 80s, I think. Yeah, it's I'm pretty sure it's the mid 80s. And like, oh, dude, it's just so wild, like watching and seeing parallels and like. Oh, just and just the way that the movie all falls out is just so good. And Hugo Waving is awesome. V is still like the character who's kind of a jerk and not like that great of a person. But you no. understand why why he's doing it, what he's doing, and that he even himself knows that what he's doing is not exactly morally good, but he knows it's necessary for this for that situation. So it's just, ah, oh, dude, it's just such a good, it is so good. Uh, yeah, it's one of those ones that, like, when Heather and I first started dating, she had already even seen it before she had met me because she watched it in, I think, like, her English class or something like that, or like literature class. Because it, it's one of those movies that, and one of those comics that just ages incredibly well. Like, you watch it now, and you're just going, I'm uncomfortable with how real this movie <laughs> is. I'm just going. Yeah. I feel this too much. I, I think V for Vendetta 
has like its like cult following of like I don't want to say edge lords, but kind of edge lords that like yeah. Well, it's November fifth. I gotta watch V for Vendetta. Could, that both of us fall into that camp. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I still feel to this day that V for Vendetta is kind of underrated in the grand scheme of comic book movies. Maybe because it's so different than everything else. Like, it's not hero versus villain. Basically, it is mm-hmm. a morally gray character the entire time um and i it has aged creepily well that it's a little uncomfortable to watch sometimes just going oh yeah i remember when this was just viewed as fantasy and it could never actually happen yes okay that was like the craziest part for me because like i vividly remember watching this in college and being like man this is such a well-told story like way to like open our minds to government government oversight and blah 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 and i was like yeah but like that, that'll never happen and then covid happened and it was like oh no it could it could totally happen oh no oh no 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 <laughs> well even before that of just like i felt it applied to our world a little too much of just like basically loud and abrasive news commentators just going to the extreme and striking up paranoia or mm, religious mm, fanaticism mm, yeah uh, it's just so, so good. Josh, you ready to get into some news, though? Yeah, man. Let's go. So the waiting game continues still <laughs> for anything Spider-Man related. It's a waiting game, but at the same time, it's not because we keep getting more and more details whether Sony wants us to get them or not. Well, Sony finally unveiled the first official poster for Spider-Man No Way Home. And I'm going to have the dissenting opinion here. I think the poster looks terrible. Like, here's what the poster looks like. I think it looks like crap. Honestly, like, I get what they're going for, but it's so busy and cluttered. Like, from an aesthetic standpoint, to me, a good poster is something like, I don't want to say you put it on your wall, but a good poster is a piece of art. The heck is this? It's a cluster. Like, I get what they're going for, and everyone's freaking out, like, oh, oh, if you look in the background, you can see a Green Goblin. If I see another person go, I'm so clever, I saw a Green Goblin in the background, I'm going, do you have eyes? You can see the Goblin here. Yes. Okay. We already kind of figured Goblin was back. Like that. <laughs> the first teaser trailer had the pumpkin bomb. We knew he was going to be in this. But, I don't know. This poster looks kind of messy to me. Like, cool. We get references to Electro and Sandman. But we got references to Electro and Sandman in the first teaser trailer. Like, this poster doesn't introduce any new elements. And yet again, a few hours before we recorded this, Sony released a quote-unquote new picture from Spider-Man No Way Home. Guess what it was? It was yet another still frame from the bridge fight. I'm going, good lord, does this entire movie take place on the bridge and it's just Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock for two hours and 45 minutes? Like... I don't understand the marketing campaign for this movie. I truly do not. Like, is it just Sony sitting back and going, all right, they could just talk about it for another week. Twitter and online discourse is basically doing our marketing for us. But, but like, I don't get it. Dude, it's not. I hate. A, I'm glad I'm not on Twitter. I'm glad you're not on Twitter. Dude, I'm... I'm, We would not have a show if Josh was on Twitter. No. (laughs) That is... 
I mean, it might. Yeah, no, that's true. Knowing Josh, he'd um, get in Twitter fights and never actually work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here's the other thing. I feel like this is like the kind of poster that you put up in the movie theater on the wall that you, you know, when you're going to your movie and you pass and you go, oh, hey, yeah, I'm excited for that movie. And then keep walking and like don't actually have to pay attention to because there's so much going on. Like if you sat there and looked at it, it would just like it gets more and more bad the more you look i don't know it just the more i look at it the more like it just seems so basic and seems like it's fan made and seems it just no there's better fan made posters out there i know and and, which is crazy that in today's day and age you could be like man it looks fan made but like how many times okay i mean i guess i can't say how many times have i been gotten by fan made trailers and stuff like that but still um (laughs) because oh geez um but I just yeah, it's just you've boring. gotten done There's... with fan made stuff for this very movie. Yeah, <laughs> I got got. I get Rickrolled all the time, man. It's not fair. Um, <laughs> but it just means it just means I'm excited about the things that I'm watching. That's all that matters, right? Uh, I just, dude, this. I think I said this last last time we talked about No Way Home. I'm just ready for this movie to to be out, so it can be over, it can be done with, so we can yeah. see it and we can just move on because it feels like there's too much surrounding this movie that is not like positive stuff to as far as excitement and draw like something sony seems to not realize is just because talk people are talking about your film doesn't necessarily mean it's good marketing well i mean they're at least discussing it and it's not like as much as I'm looking forward to it, I'm not hearing anybody talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife, and that comes out next week, type of thing. Like that's fair. I love. I'm super excited. I'm ready that for that movie too. too. Uh, but yeah, I this marketing campaign is just so so bizarre. It's I don't know. Uh, you say people aren't talk people talking about it isn't always the best, but it's like the opposite of as much as we're not the biggest fan of the Snyderverse release. The Snyder Cut was people talking getting hype for it and basically it was a self-made marketing machine because Zack Snyder is also terrible at promoting his movies here look at all these cool shots before the trailer comes out and it would have been cool to see them in the trailer instead this is almost the exact opposite of people are talking about it but there's not stuff to back it up we keep seeing the same pictures from the same scene of the bridge fight and it's kind of making me go okay Toby and Andrew are going to be in this for the final fight like i think i think kevin feige's gone on record for months now saying yeah fan theories are great but um they can sometimes backfire when your expectations get a little too high so maybe he's like prepping us for disappointment or because he saw how crazy and out of hand fan theories Mm -hmm. could get with wandavision because that really i think burned Disney bad of going, oh yeah, we're going to tease all the stuff because whether Disney wants to admit it or not, they absolutely teed some stuff up. Now, some stuff with WandaVision was absolutely fans just kind of going out on a limb. I'll be the first to admit, I was kind of hoping for Professor X to show up, but even then, I fully acknowledge that that would be a long shot. But other elements, like purposely rickrolling your audience by bringing back Evan Peters as Quicksilver, 
You purposely just kind of trolled your audience there and set the expectation too high. Maybe yeah. they're trying not to make that same mistake here and not overshowing their hand with Toby and Andrew or Venom maybe by not showing them. They're keeping the focus on Spider-Man, which at the end of the day I think is a good thing, but this poster just is not it. It's too busy yeah. and cluttered. Then again, Sony's known for not having the best posters yeah. <laughs> with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Because even Josh, who's not the biggest uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man fan, those were some awesome posters back in the day. Like the mm-hmm. one, uh, Spider-Man 1, where he's climbing up the wall. It's just that first shot of him climbing up the wall with the sunset look. Or the iconic Spider-Man 2 poster where it's there's two that always come to mind. It's the close-up of Spider-Man when he's swinging with Mary Jane. Or one of my favorite posters of all time for Spider-Man 2 is Doc Ock with his back turned and it's just silhouette form and you see the tentacles. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I don't mind the Spider-Man Homecoming poster where he's just laying and asleep with Avengers Tower in the background. That looks cool. Far From Home had some terrible posters like that terrible looking passport one. So I don't know. I just think this is a lousy poster and people are freaking out because they're, they're like, oh, Green Goblin confirmed. I'm like, that's nothing new here. Yeah. Like, they're. Uh, I don't know with this movie right now. Yeah, I'm just ready for it to be over. I mean, like, crap, even, like, Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider-Man movies had pretty decent posters. Yeah, I mean, well, like, except for that one Amazing Spider-Man 2 poster with everyone on it. We don't talk about Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just too busy and there's just too much going on. Okay. Also, because we're talking about Spider-Man now is probably the best chance for me to tell my, my new theory that I came up with oh, that I've no. told you and I told Heather yeah. and neither of you like it cause it sounds too real. Yeah. So we know the premise of this movie will be Tom Holland goes to Dr. Strange and it's basically like, Hey, can you wipe everyone's memory so they don't know that I'm Spider-Man? And obviously, it looks like the spell is going to go wrong and the multiverse is going to open up. My theory is Sony and Marvel never officially extended their contract. So until that happens, I will always live in fear that someday Tom Holland Spider-Man will leave the MCU. And I'm not entirely convinced that this isn't the movie to do it. So at the end of this movie, what I could definitely see happening is them going, Doctor Strange going, okay, we'll do the spell again. But there's a condition. This this universe will forget you were ever Spider-Man. Your friends and family, they'll be safe. They'll no longer be in harm because they will have no memory of Spider-Man. But you, that the catch is, you can no longer be a part of this universe. We can put you somewhere else, but you can no longer be a part of this universe. No one will remember you, but your family will be safe. And I think that's an easy way for the MCU to never have to address Spider-Man again to be like, all right, cool. He had his little window here, and if he ever were to return, the only person that would remember him is Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange could obviously work some stuff, but I don't want to say it'd be like Men in Black with the Neuralizer at the end for the entire MCU for getting Spider-Man, but if he might not be coming back to the MCU, it's a little too convenient to me, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there, but it's... Kind of sucks also, but like what would be super interesting is because technically all the stuff, all the science that made Peter would still exist. So there's the possibility of them making a Spider-Man in the MCU. 
Well, Tony's dead, you know, though. You know, Tony's dead, though. But um, Oscorp is still around. Would, would still technically be, but he be ne- around. But Oscorp has never right. been mentioned in the MCU. Interesting. Okay. Well, hey, that that's an avenue they could go down then. Mm. They've left that open, I guess. I, I don't know. <sighs> so let's move on to some sad news. Kind of sad news. It's not super sad for me just because I wasn't that excited for it just because this project seems so far off in the distance like if this thing was closer to us and then got delayed or canceled then i'd be more distraught but so patty jenkins's rogue squadron movie for lucasfilm that she was supposedly working on has now been delayed now some people are saying delayed other people are saying delayed indefinitely i'm gonna say delayed indefinitely because it's been basically bumped off the production schedule altogether wow I thought we were past this Lucasfilm. I thought we were past hiring big sexy names for directors only to fire them or not work with them um, a few weeks later. Like, you know, Josh Trank coming off of Fan Stick, kicking him off the Boba Fett movie. Or ditching J.J. Abrams for Ryan Johnson and then ditching Ryan Johnson back for J.J. Abrams. Or lord and miller in the solo movie ditching them with two weeks left in filming because the movie wasn't what you were hoping it would be people are gonna be like well this is due to scheduling conflicts patty jenkins had so many other movies lined up before she signed on for this one which is true that's not a lie at all she still is doing wonder woman 3 which we'll talk about here in a little bit but disney knew ahead of time which projects she had lined up It's not like she just took on more films since she signed on to do this Rogue Squadron movie. They knew what her schedule looked like. To me, this is a save face type of situation because this has happened countless times already with Lucasfilm. Uh, I think also, I don't want to be mean, but this exact same thing has happened with Colin Trevorrow he was originally supposed to do Star Wars Episode 9 and then his movie The Book of Henry came out and didn't get very good critical reception and so he was suspiciously not attached to Star Wars Episode 9 anymore now Patty Jenkins still a well-respected director but maybe Disney saw Wonder Woman 1984 and goes no thanks which it would be dumb because I just think that was a bad day at the office for her But it also wouldn't surprise me because Disney, and more specifically Lucasfilm, has had a habit of doing that. Of just going, well, we like, we're hot and we're cold on you. Like Vince McMahon type of situation. We're just going to change your mind about you after about two weeks. So, I don't buy that this is a production delay. I think this is going the exact same way as Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Never gonna happen. And has been quietly canceled, but they'll never publicly state that. Josh, you see Rogue Squadron's been delayed. Do you see it any differently at all? No. I'm kind of in the same camp with you. Is it does it's always seemed like Lucasfilm, when it comes to directors, is okay, what have you done lately? And while that is like a good approach, like you said, I like Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is it nineteen eighty four? Right. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah, uh <sighs> It's not terrible. It's, it's bad. Not, it's bad. It's not good. Um, it's bad, dude. <laughs> I do not enjoy it. Yeah. There's I, also a lot of, like, 
why did you choose to do this in this movie? Like, I still cannot get over with Wonder Woman 1984. Why didn't you just bring back Steve Trevor? Not, like, him stealing the body of somebody else. Just just bring back yeah, the body of Steve yeah. Trevor. You literally body-nap somebody. Like, don't, don't think about yeah. it, please, because mm, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, but with that being said... I, I'm, I'm still with you. I think it's just a bad day at the office because stuff like that is not... While the director has a large say in that, it's not solely on them. And sometimes they just have to bend to the will of the studio. And what is... You know, WB's and DC's terrible about that sometimes. Lucasfilm has had a record of being all, what have you done for me lately with directors? Because... They pulled, they quietly pulled Ryan Johnson's trilogy, but then what did he do? He went and made Knives Out. Yay. Like, so, like, to me, unless you're the Wachowski brothers, I don't see how, you know, the, the, what have you done for me lately can really work for directors in, at least like big name, you know, the big sexy name ones. I don't know. To me, though, Rogue Squadron was one of those projects I didn't necessarily need from Star Wars because it felt like they were just going back to the well of the Rebellion again. And we didn't really... I don't want to go back to the that well. Uh, give me new stories. Give me... Expand the universe a bit. Like, So, I mean, I hope that Patty is still going to be like involved because I would love to see what stories she could tell. Um, Star Wars always needs more strong female leads. Not to say that we don't have them, but like when our only lead character that's female is Rey. Well, Lucasfilm's changing that. You do remember that the showrunner for Obi Wan is a woman, right? It's I the woman actually that... did not. I actually yeah, didn't it's know the woman that. that directed Episode Four of Season One of Mandalorian. This is the way episode. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I didn't know that, my yeah. bad. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, absolutely. But, like, it's just, yeah, they. I, I would love to see Patty still do something with with Star Wars, with Lucasfilm. Um, I'm not particularly sad about it not being Road Squadron. So, also, here's where we go down some theory rabbit holes. So, so far, the only thing that we've, that we, like, know for a fact is this movie's been delayed. We're speculating that it's delayed indefinitely and canceled. Yeah. Let's add some more speculation here because there has been some rumors floating around for about a week or two now that Disney is very much rapidly approaching production on an Old Republic movie. Yeah. Is is there a chance that Old Republic is getting fast-tracked to fill this time slot? Because this was set to start production early 2022 for a winter 2023 release. Don't. Don't don't do that to me. Did this get bumped for the older public movie, most likely being directed by Taika Waititi? Because we know Taika Waititi is directing a Star Wars movie, and as far as we know, he hasn't been kicked off that movie because Disney loves them some Taika because Taika is Lord. Ha! Could that potentially be what's replacing Rogue Squadron? Maybe Rogue Squadron isn't completely gone yet, but it's getting kicked down. It's like the can or the rock that gets kicked further down the street type of thing. Is this getting moved for an older public that might be further along in the development process? Look, <laughs> I'm not going to hide my feelings here. Um, I think I'd literally die of happiness if Old Republic 
came into or was announced that you know it's it's being fast tracked or whatever. Bro, are you kidding me? I have been wanting Old Republic stuff for like since I I used to play the MMO like religiously. Like I I have like something close to like a hundred hours or something like that logged on on, the, on that game, which is like only because I was trying to play during college and that just doesn't work. But like. Old Republic is super cool, and that's a whole that is a well that Star Wars has not dabbed in dipped into yet. I think that Here is the next phase. I think yeah. I think Disney Plus will focus on the Mandalorian era and like create its own kind of universe from there. Like Ahsoka will be connected, Mandalorian will be connected, the Book of Boba Fett will be connected, all that stuff. And then the movies will be Old Republic era, which just Yes, because as much as we don't mind the sequel trilogy, it is kind of hamstrung to be connected to the original trilogy, whereas Old Republic, you have so much creative freedom because it's thousands of years in the past. So I would not be surprised at all if they are starting to move full steam ahead on an Old Republic movie. Now, those Mm -hmm. are just rumors and speculation. It's not any major outlet reporting that yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if Disney's quick to replace this release date with something else mm-hmm. i mean just seeing darth revan on a big oh. screen would be amazing darth bane on a big screen would it be amazing like just the oh. end of the trailer just is a hood lifting up and it's darth revan dude see okay and real quick since we're on this topic i just want to drop this little this little rabbit hole just real quick um revan hole yeah it's so insane to me that like when when um whoa geez when force awakens was about to drop and they were like all right all of this other stuff all this extended universe stuff doesn't exist unless it's through us and now the whole everybody was like oh you can't do that to us how dare you i still stand by that was a good decision absolutely same it makes sense and my brother and i talk about it all the time of like I mean, yes, there's some really, really cool stuff, but also there's some really, really weird stuff, too. But Luke trying to get his hand back from the black market. I have two books about um, Luke trying to find uh, Darth Vader's glove that gets chopped off in the Death Star. And it's like supposedly like indestructible and like it's it's they're two really well written books. So I enjoy them. But anyway, uh, I digress. I think it almost added more to when they hint at possibilities of the extended universe characters being able to become canon, which is just, Mm. that's so, it adds so much more than if you were like, hey, extended universe is still a thing. Ha ha, yeah, okay, cool. So we're going to bring this character in. Oh, does that mean you bring all these other stories with it? Like, no, no, just our canon, just just our canon matters. I still... I yeah. still maintain to this day that Kylo and Rey should have been Jason and Jaden and should have been brother and sister. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ugh. Although I, it's in it's in kind of going through the, for this list. Kylo still is, I think, one of my favorite characters. Oh, yeah. The, from the he hurt his back from carrying the sequel trilogy. Yeah. So this shouldn't be a surprising piece of news, but it's more of the when for me than anything else and that is linda carter the original og wonder woman is set to be coming back for wonder woman 3 after her spoiler alert surprise cameo in wonder woman 1984 this does not surprise me um 
I think it was super, super cool. I think it's weird that it's taken this long. Maybe it's just me, but I was kind of figuring she would be in the first Wonder Woman because she's just so synonymous with the character. Um, mm-hmm. But they saved it for the right moment in the second one. And they clearly had bigger ideas. I was a little disappointed with how little we do see her in Wonder mm-hmm. Woman 1984. But the way that they've alluded to her makes it seem like there's much more interesting stories to tell with her going forward which yeah. i'm down for i do not like wonder woman 1984 um i think it's a lot of factors i think it's one yeah. the complete tonal shift from the previous wonder woman the weird wacky acting for a lot of it uh pedro pascal is a phenomenal actor what the heck was he doing with maxwell lord or mm-hmm. still the most comically over-the-top acting of all time is the heist at the beginning of the movie. Here, I'm in trouble. Let me dangle this child over an edge like Michael Jackson. Like, like what dude, the heck? what? Um, and don't even get me started on Cheetah. But I thought one of the bright spots of the movie was Linda Carter. And I would like to see more screen time with Linda Carter and Gal Gadot on the same because we never see them together really they're all always in separate scenes to see them on screen together i think it would be really really cool now i've been very vocal that i'm not the biggest gal gadot wonder woman fan which is weird because i've seen gal on countless interviews and she's just a ray of positivity she's just a fantastic person to see in interviews she's always joyful and optimistic she seems like a real pleasant person to be around but her wonder woman has never really connected with me but credit where credit's due she has become better as the movies progressed uh i think it's she's still relatively new to acting so i think that's kind of mm, settling more into the role she was much better in 84 than she was in the original wonder woman but from an acting perspective i still think there's much better options out there She's getting better. Maybe working with Linda Carter and maybe having a more clear story could help with that Mm -hmm. because I don't mind Zack Snyder's Justice League. I actually like it quite a bit. And I think that's probably the best Gal Gadot Wonder Woman performance we've gotten so far. I think she was a little awkward in the first Wonder Woman and she was better in 84, but she was really good in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So the potential, I think, is there. That being said... I'm not that interested in a Wonder Woman 3. You have to really have an interesting hook. Like, I don't know. Let's finally set it in the modern day. The 80s gimmick just felt very... Mm-hmm. An 80s gimmick. Just kind of there because the 80s are... They're so hot right now. Like, that's <laughs> the only reason we did the 80s for this. There was no actual... Awesome. There's no real reason... <laughs> That's all I heard was was uh, Wolf Barrels. That's Hansel. He's so hot right now. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm with you. It just felt like a like a gimmick, and I, I think what's interesting to me, because of how they kind of bring Linda in at the end of, of two, um, they kind of insinuate that Amazons leave the island all the time or like because they, they they basically say that linda is an amazonian her character or whatever it's not wonder woman but she's an amazonian so i i'm very very curious as to actually come to think have they called gal gadot's character wonder woman yet 
maybe in the second one, maybe in passing. Maybe. Because more than that, they just call her Diana. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I've only seen Wonder Woman NG4 uh, yeah, once, yeah. and it was more than enough for me. Yeah, no, same. But, like, at the, so at the same time, I'm kind of thinking of, like, this is almost the arc to turn her into she needs to talk with linda or get training from linda i guess into becoming the like the true wonder woman hero that that, that we know and love i don't know could she be does the wonder woman spin i hate it anyway um <laughs> <laughs> however my brain just my brain just doing its thing which is always dangerous what if something happens to wonder woman's mom hippolyta and they need a new queen of themyscira Ooh. And Linda Carter becomes the new ruler of Themyscira. I would, I would not yeah, be I'm mad down. at that at all. Although, because like, because then she would right still be is... around. She would still be around in the yeah. in the universe. But basically, saying like, uh, okay, yeah, I've had my prime, but you're the Wonder Woman now. But if you need me, I'll be back here. Kind of, you know. Just like Linda Carter in real life. She'll always yeah. be the OG. Um, also, just a quick shout out just because. Also love Linda Carter in Sky High. We don't talk about Sky High nearly enough. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. Uh, I Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, though. When it comes down to it, Wonder Woman 3 does not really interest me. So we'll... I, and, and maybe that's just because I'm like, come on, give me Green Lantern and like some of the other stuff. Yeah, where the heck really, is that really movie been? Cool stuff that's happening in the DC universe, DCU right now. So I mean, whatever, we'll see, man. Speaking of Gal Gadot, uh, she is now attached to be the evil queen in a Disney live-action remake of Snow White. Which I'm just going, okay, yeah, I know Disney's been doing a lot of live-action remakes, but. I don't think I realized that this was even a thing that was happening. Um, I don't actually hate it. Here's the thing. I don't hate this casting, which is kind of contrary to what I just said, but I stand by it. I'm not the biggest Gal Gadot fan, but I can absolutely see her in this role for some reason. And it's primarily because so far, a lot of the roles that she has been in, she's been the good guy. Um, she's been the hero. I have not seen Red Notice with her, Dwayne Johnson, and Ryan Reynolds, where she's, like, the main antagonist. I've not seen that yet. Maybe she's great in that. I could see her eating this role up and having a lot of fun with it. That being said, why? Just why, Disney? Like, you keep focusing on the wrong live-action remakes. You keep focusing on the ones that don't need to be remade while perfectly ignoring the ones that do. Where is my live-action Home on the Range movie? I'm, I'm kidding. Don't actually do that. Oh, that was good. I was about to throw my mic at you. Oh, man. Oh, man. I just wanted to be the first now. person in, like, a decade to reference Home on the Range. <laughs> okay, but, like, but seriously, though, I, I agree. I think this casting is pretty good. And from the few clips that I've seen of Gal in, in Red Notice... To me, she's got like a like a, a charisma in, in in being evil that's like very like, oh, you're really pretty and you have like these really kind eyes, but there's something really off about you. Um, I could totally see her being really good as the evil queen. It's a little weird doing this now. Well, I guess just because 
what is a Snow White and the Huntsman is still in my head from like what it was five five six years ago. More than that, I'm gonna look it up. Um, yeah, because like it it might follow the rule of eight years. Um, <laughs> might actually, yeah. Surprised, be surprised about. Uh, but 2012. Yeah, it definitely follows the rule of eight years. All right, cool. Um, yeah, the. Have you heard? You you know this rule. Oh, I know the rule of eight years, but think about your math. Twenty twelve. No, yeah, eight years is twenty twenty. <laughs> what it's year is it now? It's twenty twenty one. I'm saying like the what the the rule is that they the any property is good good to be remade after eight years. Oh, I thought you said after exactly eight. I thought the rules. Oh like, no, exactly no, 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 yeah. like, it's, no, no, it's, no, 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 It's Look, nine. Man, I may be, <laughs> I may be stupid, but <laughs> you're not dumb. <laughs> yeah, uh, I is smart. I is math. Um, no, but like again, I'm with you. Why this one? Why is it this one? Like when? Yeah, where's my like... live action reboot of Chicken Little with Zach Braff in a chicken suit? Don't you dare tempt me with that. <laughs> I would be all over that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but no, but like like Treasure Planet or or, or Bosque, uh, Atlantis. Okay, um, <clears throat> the Atlantis thing. If I see one more freaking article saying Disney's interested in Tom Holland as Milo, they're not. You're just pulling that story out of your butt and saying it's fact. Those rumors have been around for like five to six years and it's not happening. Let it go, people. Tom Holland is not going to be an Atlantis movie. They're not even making an Atlantis movie. <laughs> wow, that uh, got you really hot. I just get buddy. so tired of that because it, it happens you really hot. every couple months. Every couple months, people will be like, oh, Tom Holland's rumored to be an Atlantis. What Atlantis movie? If there was an Atlantis <laughs> movie, I would know. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh! Fun fact: Did you know that? Uh, so, <laughs> I've been like applying for jobs and some, some stuff like that just to kind of see if I can get some side some side work going. Um, uh, there's freelance jobs for Screen Rant available right now to write articles for them. Oh, you mean steal um, articles from other people? Yeah. Well, here's the thing: I'm starting to think that they that the authors don't have a choice because they're required to write five to eight articles a day. Yeah, like, Screen Rant. Oof. Screen Rant's that group of people. They're like that steal the joke from someone else, but just say it louder so they get the credit for it. Yeah. The only good thing about Screen Rant is pitch meetings because Ryan George is a wonderful person. Yes, he is. And they're yes, so funny. Like absolutely. Heather and I just watched one recently about the Santa Claus. I'm going. This is a much darker movie than I remember as a child. <laughs> this is all about Santa murders and divorce. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that being said. Oof, excuse me coffee burps um yeah why this movie why snow white why is that the one you're going with um because the the original is pretty good so like i'll be a know, little man. dated now but i mean yeah but like all that animation old school animation is fairly dated so i i, I don't know man i just I think I think I, in my head I'm pushing so hard for tra for a live action tra Treasure Planet. It just it just won't. Yeah. It'll, it'll never happen. Yeah. It'll Even never like happen. a live action Tarzan could could be really really cool. I don't like, know who's got the rights for that because that yeah, gets a little complicated. I wonder if if they just do like a shot for shot remake of the animated one, which I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily hate either. Except this time Tarzan has a beard like he should. Why <laughs> is Tarzan like, clean shaven? 
Maybe, well, hey, maybe he's like you and has trouble growing facial hair. I have a beard. <laughs> when you visited, my beard was bigger than your beard. <laughs> Not true. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> well, as per usual, this week's episode is sponsored by T Public, your one stop shop for all Uncharted Media merch. We now have three shirt designs you've got the Uncharted Media logo, you've got a tinfoil hat theory, and you've got the retro design with us watching Halloween. And Josh's tease that more is to come, those will be up at some point in the near distant future in the coming months. Um, so if you want Uncharted Media shirts, sweatshirts, now that it's getting a little cooler out, notebooks, stickers, uh, whatever your heart desires with the Uncharted Media designs on it, go check it out on Public. So, one of Josh and I's favorite things to discuss that we have not discussed in quite a while mm-hmm. is Star Wars. It's probably just because there hasn't really been a whole lot of Star Wars stuff to talk about. There hasn't been anything really since Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, we've had Mando, yeah. but that's TV stuff. We're not talking about Mando today. Um, we are going to be talking about the best moments from every single Star Wars movie. So all 11 movies we're going to talk about, and we're going to basically take our favorite picks from each movie and give an honorable mention because Star Wars is always that awesome that you can't just say one thing. We're going to talk about an honorable mention. So I was planning on doing this in chronological, words are hard, chronological order, but we can do it however you want to do, Josh. I'm okay with doing chronological. I uh, I actually did like I legit did chronological. Yeah, that's order. how I did it too. It's just easier. Like, it is. Uh, yeah, because like just just going through everything, it just it's just easier that way. Um, so let's go and like let's 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 dive in hard, hard on Phantom Menace, my man. Yes, because for some people, their chronological order is four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. We'll we'll go in timeline chronological order. Like that just I okay. Look, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this now at the top of the, of our little discussion here. A, I get if you love four, five, and six more. It's still not the technically the order, and it doesn't diminish how good four, five, and six are. Or you so can, you can watch your weird order of I watch four, five, one, two, three, six. What? Yeah, there's an order that if you watch four and five, and then you treat the prequels as a flashback scene to Darth Vader revealing he's actually Luke's father, then you go back and watch six to see if Luke follows the same sins as his dad does. Oh, that's that's why. Actually, I hadn't considered that. That's super interesting, huh? All right. So anyway, let's 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 go into let's go into Phantom Menace. Star Wars fans are weird, man. I swear. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we have the exact same moment for this. Uh, mm, 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 maybe. All right, let's go. On. You want to do? You know, start with honorable honorable mentions, and then go into our, our our personal favorite moments of the of the movies. I actually couldn't think of an honorable mention for this, mm. just because. So here's where I'm going to lose some people. Phantom Menace is my favorite of the prequel movies. Yeah. Because it's the only one that knows what a practical set is, and I know some people are like, it's got protagonist issues. All the prequels have protagonist issues. This movie clearly should have been about Obi-Wan, but the real main character is actually Qui-Gon for this, if you think about it. Um, so I don't have a like backup favorite moment because I just genuinely enjoy most all of this movie, except mm-hmm. for the boring political talk. Like, yeah. I get people's hatred for the Gungans, but I was a kid when I watched this, and <gasps> Star Wars is for children. 
It's what? okay to have some childish elements. Look at the original trilogy. C-3PO is annoying as hell, and he's clearly aimed for kids. That is okay. I don't mind the Gungans. I know some people are going, they're a racist stereotype. I don't mind the Gungans nearly as much as some other people. I think the... Um, Oh, the Nemodians? They're so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> New Gunray. Um, so I don't actually yeah. have an honorable mention, but my favorite moment is pretty tough. It's the only moment that actually has lived and has its own legacy with Phantom Menace. It's like, it's the only thing people really talk about Phantom Menace anymore. Okay, okay. So uh, I, I I, think what's key here is you and I grew up with the, the prequels, basically. Like, I vividly remember for my birthday going and seeing attack of the clones like the weekend it opens and revenge of the uh, revenge of the sith the weekend it opened like at, for my birthday because there were some more movies and that's they always came out within a few days of my birthday for some reason yeah so, they always come out the first weekend in may because that's George, around george lucas's birthday correct so i love these movies all three and i I think going through these, I found out that there was a couple, one of them that I liked a lot more than I thought I did. But Phantom Menace is definitely one of my favorites, like with like, like you said. Uh, my honorable mention, and it's a moment that, that the line pops up in my head from time to time for no reason, and it's unwarranted. Now, this is pod racing. <laughs> I love the pod racing scene so much but not as much as my favorite scene in the movie but like god i just love the whole idea of and maybe it's because i grew up in texas and like nascars everywhere but like pod racing is the nascar of the galaxy and you can't tell me differently i think i would put the pod race scene but one i didn't like it as a kid and two i don't like it as an adult I think Fair. if the race was two laps instead of three, I might like it more. But the pod race scene goes on for so long, it, I think, kind of drags mm. a little too long. I think it's too much of George Lucas just flexing his CGI muscle going, Look what we did, brother! Going, <laughs> I mean, cool. It does hold up really George well. George Lucas is much of Man Randy Savage all of a sudden. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. So, let's talk about favorite moments. Um... I don't know about you, like the uh, but so Duel of Fates is already like yeah top top moment okay. But we're gonna I'm gonna break break it down okay. My favorite if I'm like hey if you go through we're talking about moments not scenes moments. I love like the moment that gets me every single time is when Darth Maul kills Qui Gon. And then he just turns to Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's after the yell and Obi-Wan's sitting there, but lit lightsaber ignited, just ready to go like, no, oh, this is, this ain't going to happen. I'm gonna, you're going to pay for that. And then just goes right into still to me, one of my favorite lightsaber battles of the series. Cause it was choreographed by Ray Park. It's so beautiful. And it, to me, it makes the most sense as far as lightsaber battles, like the flippy stuff is fine. Sure. Whatever. But like the the way that each this is such a nerdy thing and i collider not collider um quarter crew did a video recently about the most realistic lightsaber fight blah, 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 blah. and it literally felt like just obnoxious pretentious bullcrap um but 
this feels like the most <laughs> realistic. Um, if if lightsabers were real, this is what it, it should feel like. Of like impact. The just it's just so beautiful and the emotion. It's Ewan McGregor, man. Like you can't get better than. And like I think what's crazy is this is like young, young Ewan. So like this is before really he did anything. He was in some. I'm trying to remember if he did train spotting or not at this point. Uh, he might have. Th- I'm gonna look it up while you talk, talk to me. Your, when, your memory. when it's just Obi Wan and Maul fighting, screw Obi Wan and Anakin fighting in Revenge of the Sith. This mm-hmm. is the, one of the only fights in the prequels that there's actual emotional stakes involved. Mm-hmm. Like the Obi Wan Anakin one, people were like, "But that's the most emotional fight." We don't really see Obi Wan and Anakin gelling as brothers, and people will be like, "Well, you saw it in Clone Wars." In the movies, though, if you're looking at just the movies. I don't buy that Obi-Wan and Anakin are brothers. When Obi-Wan fights Maul, I can see that he's pissed because he just lost his mentor here. Um, a Duel of the Fates is just a special moment. We all remember where we were when that first Phantom Menace trailer dropped. And you get that iconic pose of Darth Maul flipping out his lightsaber, turns one on. And then the other side pops out a lightsaber and you're just like... <gasps> That's a double-bladed lightsaber. And every kid in America goes, Yeah. I'm going to need that as a toy. And I'm sure toy sales went through the roof. But then I love all the memes of the flaming piano. And it's just like, John Williams, it's just a lightsaber triple fight, triple threat match. You don't have to go that hard. John Williams just going hard on the keyboard because Duel of the Fates (laughs) is like the second best piece of music in all of Star Wars. And we'll talk about the best later because, like, even the people that don't like Phantom Menace, I'm imagining when Duel of the Fates hits, it's like the Undertaker's gong. Everyone just has the instinctual reaction to just sit up because they know stuff is about to go down. And Absolutely. the choreography is great. I love, if I had to pick a specific moment from the Duel of the Fates fight, it is either that nice aerial shot uh, and the dun-dun, dun-dun, and you see how much space they're taking up or yeah. when Maul has his back to the ramp and he looks like he could teeter and fall really really quickly and so Obi-Wan looks over to Qui-Gon and they without even really saying anything they try and do a force nudge they have this like unspoken communication in their fighting style and Maul just does the backflip to the walkway throws his lightsaber close up to Maul's angry face and then we stupidly have to cut away to some other fight that's my only issue with Duel of Fates is we have to cut to three other fights happening the exact same time. I don't care what's happening to Queen Amidala. I don't care what's happening to the Gungans. I don't care what's happening to Jake Lloyd trying to get his uh, Jingle All The Way toy. All I want is lightsaber (laughs) action. Like, you could say Return of the Jedi has three battles happening at the same time, too. But that's the end of a trilogy, not the beginning of a trilogy. I think there's too many action scenes happening during Duel of Fates considering one of them is super, super interesting, and the rest of them you have no emotional stakes in whatsoever. But Duel of Fates is just, mm, someday, I hope for a Star Wars movie, we get the emotional impact of either the Return of the Jedi or the Empire Strikes Back fights with the choreography of Phantom Mm. Menace. Because it was either or. Because sequel trilogy, they tried with the emotional weight. Sometimes when Ryan and Kylo fight, I get some emotional stakes there 
But every one of their fights is terribly choreographed, especially yeah. the one Rise of Skywalker. It, that one bothers me a lot, the choreography in yeah. that. So, um, Have you heard the version of Duel of Fates by Samuel Kim? Yes. It's like the epic version. Dude, I just rediscovered it like Samuel yeah, Kim's couple, awesome. Like, last week. Dude, like they, for anybody that's watching, you need to go check out, uh, go to your Spotify, click, type in Duel of Fates, click in. It'll say Duel of Fates epic version by Samuel Kim. And it is like, honestly, I like that. I think I like that version better than the original score. Um, d dude, they sneak. I, I won't, I don't want to ruin it for anybody because there's, there's like the more longer and longer the song goes, the better and better and better it gets. So it's, but yeah. I'm still Fair mad to this day. Peak. I'm still mad to this day that they used the Duel of Fates music in the final Rise of Skywalker trailer. And they said leading up to this movie that they're like, we're going to bring back every core element of Star Wars, even some of the music. I'm going, oh, they're going to bring back Duel of the Fates. And Duel of the Fates is nowhere to be seen in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Throw in Duel yeah, of the Fates when they true. fight on that crash planet. The fact that there's no music at all during that fight is just weird. But Yeah. All kinds of weird. All right. Time to talk about Attack of the Clones. Yeah. My least favorite <laughs> of the prequels. Which is crazy because I used to think this uh, on I it used to be that Revenge of the Sith is my least favorite. I think it still is. It's my second um, least favorite Star Wars movie. Period. Yeah, I, we'll get there. We'll get actually there. no third, uh, third. I don't like uh, either of the spinoffs. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Attack of the Clones though is I think for me it was the it's like the my first real memories of Star Wars are watching Attack of the Clones. I think if I was like, hey, let's talk about, like, what are your first memories of, of Star Wars? I'm like, uh, you know, like, um, <clears throat> one of my uh, honorable mention moments, the entire bounty hunter chase scene in the beginning of, like, the oh, beginning different. of the movie. Different part. Yeah, well, no, sorry. Let me, I guess I should uh, should specify. The Zam Weasley. Is Zam Weasley? Zam Wesel. We Wesel? W-E-S-S-E-L-L. Zam Wessel. Yeah, Wessel. Weasel, that's a very different movie. Yeah, I was like... If Obi-Wan and Anakin are chasing a Weasley. Oh my god. He's like, I'm sorry, wrong movie. I'm just like imagining... Like him running through the streets of Coruscant. Like just like throwing papers and stuff with his wallet. Like that would just be... That'd be great. Um... Dang it, now that's something I want. Oh, no. Epic Rap Battles of History, hit, hit me up. I got, no, not Epic. Uh, what is it? There was that show that Machinima? did. Um, maybe, no, it was like a legit show that did like Ancient Warriors and put, put them head to head. Oh, and, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. They, I wish they would have done that for like fictional characters because that could have been so fun. But yeah, anyway. Um, that being said, so that honorable mention for that opening that zam bounty hunter chase scene you get the iconic um you don't want any death sticks <laughs> you want to go home and rethink your life so much so good um they're like oh let's <laughs> actually let your mcgregor be funny yes and i think to a certain extent you do kind of kind of get the brother ishness of between anakin and obi-wan in here are you Just saying the elevator like, scene no, I'm saying in the uh, the whole oh like, the bar. I you know fly what yeah like that kind of stuff like that. that you went completely me, the wrong way. 
<laughs> no, Master, I did it. I promise. Let me just like, jump out simple. of this plane and hope <laughs> I land on something. <laughs> I it see, but like to me, that scene speaks more to their friendship and their brotherhood than it than the, the stupid elevator scene. Um, also, so for I, I'm. I'll do my two honorable mentions and then I'll pass it over to you before we get to the actual moment. Um, I am a sucker for great musical cues. Um, the oh, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, you you already know. You already know. Um, the soft, quiet moment between Anakin and Padme right before they get into the, they go into the arena. I hate the dialogue. Oh, but... I you were talking about a different scene. Oh, okay. What scene did you think? It's the scene that I absolutely despise, and it's not one of the scenes I can physically watch. It's when he's like, I didn't just kill the men, but the oh, women. No. Because no. that's terrible. But at the end, he's standing there pissed off, but then we get the do, 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 do. I'm going, yeah, no, ah, yeah. John Williams, I see that you trying to salvage this cue. scene. Yeah, great, great musical cue. But like the dot, and I, I'm not a huge fan of the dialogue between Adam and Adman and, and ugh, Adme, Padme, Adme, and Anakin. What you don't like sand? <laughs> but that moment when they're they've got their heads together and they finally kiss on screen for the first time, and then they as they're being you know basically brought to their death to be executed, and that musical cue is just oh, it's so good. But because of the dialogue, I can't. It's not. It can't be my favorite. Yeah. It, it is one of the downfalls of Attack of the Clones is that some of the dialogue that that uh, Hayden Christian is forced to deliver is so bad. I feel so bad for him in this movie because there's so much like, what are you supposed to do with? <laughs> I hate Stan. It gets everywhere. Like, God, dude, I feel for you, bro. Also, I kind of feel for his character in this movie. of just like... I like Padme, but I don't think she likes me back. Oh, I don't like you, Anakin. Proceeds to wear the sexiest outfits she possibly owns. Going. All the time. <laughs> going. Are you sure you don't like him? So, my honorable mention is a different chase scene. And it's probably mm. the best sound design in all of Star Wars. And it is a chase scene between Obi-Wan and Jango Fett in the meteor mm. shower. Not meteor shower, Absolutely. the asteroid belt. Because, oh, dude, that sonic imploder that Django drops. I love how it starts quiet and then it just has that big loud thunderclap because you got that part that you think the noise is going to be, and then it has that pause. And then once it connects, the sound design on that is perfect. And you get some snarky one line or some Obi Wan. Blast, I hate flying. Like, oh, he's got personality. It's so um, it's so great. And then you get Tamora Morrison. <laughs> Looks like we won't be seeing him again. And you get that weird laugh from Boba. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, Boba, what did you do in this fight? Come on now. Django can <laughs> laugh. He blew up Obi Wan. You, you're just here. Your dad just beat up his dad. So you can't do anything. <laughs> my dad can beat up your dad until he comes into contact with Oh, Samuel yeah. Well, Jackson. my dad can um, decapitate your dad. Yeah. Like, exactly. Oh, oof. That's tough. That's tough. A little, uh, a little too soon. Too soon. Um, I still like. I love that shot of uh, Boba. Like, I, I, this is the second time I'm talking about somebody putting their head against somebody else's head. Um, but like, when Boba's got the helmet, mm. and he's like, oh, like that is so heartbreaking. And I think 
something I would, ooh, 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 all right, here we go. Um, little idea popped in my head, like as normally you, as what you and I do. Um, how great would it be to have, I don't need a monologue, but just a small moment of in the book of Boba, Boba talking about the loss of his father and like what that actually meant to him and that why that like motivated him or something like that. That would be like, ah. Uh, or just a just, shot just, of him as an adult putting the helmet to his, his own helmet to his head. Ooh, don't do that to me. Just, mm, just flashbacks. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's see if we have the same best moment because it's like the moment that every child in the world just went, <laughs> they finally did the thing. Let's put, it's just like George Lucas is like, all right, how many lightsabers should we put in this scene? Let's put every lightsaber we have in this scene. And that is the <laughs> arena fight going, dude. <gasps> There's so many pretty colors and all like, the Jedi all in one spot. And you're just going, oh, normally lightsaber fights are one-on-one. -on -one. This is like hundreds versus hundreds. And I love it so much. This this scene, I think, is, was the single reason why when Old Republic became was start, came out, I was like, yes, I need this. Because the image in, was stuck in my head of that wall of Jedi running towards that wall of droids and i was just like i need this on a big scale like it's jedi versus sith it'd be so cool but like yes absolutely that is it's and then like the battle itself of when the clones come in and then that whole thing is super cool because like at that point in time we didn't like we as children didn't know like oh they're gonna become the stormtroopers they <laughs> don't become they, the stormtroopers even though they don't and yeah there but there was a point in time when that was when it was just the movies that was basically what was like that was the assumption because even making their helmets more like more stormtrooper-esque in revenge of the sith you can't tell me that that's not what they were going for at first they don't the clone factory gets shut down and they get replaced with actual troops that's why everyone's voice I, is different i hear you but in even in revenge of the sith that's not a thing that they insinuate or even say yes so um that's not even they barely even touch on it in the in the uh, sequel trilogy but god it's just so cool it's just so cool to see like when uh dooku's like ah oh, master window you're uh oh, gravely no. outnumbered no you completely missed his awesome entrance mace window shows up oh, puts yeah. a lightsaber to Django's throat and just this party's over and you're like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and then dooku's like ah master windu sorry to disappoint you but as you can see you're a bit outnumbered i don't think so and then you see like <laughs> you see like maybe like a dozen people scattered throughout the arena you're just like oh that's cool there's like a dozen jedi holy crap there's like a hundred jedi and they all <laughs> come so running cool. in your leroy jenkins and you're just going my heart is full of joy. And then, and then they start dying. And then you get like that <laughs> awesome back-to-back -back shot of Obi-Wan and Mace Windu fighting back-to-back. Mm -hmm. -back. So you're like, so they are like good on, on the fly. They cover each other like good soldiers. And <laughs> the whole line of Mace Windu says earlier in the movie of we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. And I'm going, really? You fall into soldier formation real quick. <laughs> I mean, it's defensive tactics. I mean, in order to fight 
to defend, you've got to know tactics. I don't know. I, there's there's so many ways you could like, excuse it, but like, yeah, it's like, mm, 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 mm. all right, whatever you say would do. Yeah. This is the same guy that like literally went to George Lucas and was like, I want a purple. I want a purple lightsaber. And George was like, well, he has BMF on the lightsaber, <laughs> and it has BMF <laughs> on his hilt. Did you not know that? No, is that really on his hilt? Yeah, he has BMF inscribed on his hilt. Oh my gosh. Okay, uh, transfers to, to, to Revenge of the Sith while I look this up, because I have to see this. Okay, so Revenge of the Sith is... I'm conflicted about it. There's a lot that I don't like, but there's a lot that it's close to being a competent movie. Um, so my honorable mention is... Actually, my dad's favorite thing about this entire movie, and that's the opening rescue of Chancellor Palpatine. That's the thing that feels like most traditional Star Wars. There's actual adventure. Uh oh, Josh has looked it up. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> that's so cool. Are you I really can't... gonna tell Samuel L. Jackson no? Oh. That's so cool. I can't. I can't. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Chancellor rescue scene. <laughs> so I remember watching this in the theater and just going, okay, so when does this get bad? Because I remember going into it that this was the first Star Wars movie rated PG-13. So I was expecting it to get dark. And yeah. I'm greeted with this kind of light-hearted opening. Like, R2-D2 has some comedic moments where he sets the super battle droids on fire. Uh, there's actually some scenes that I'm genuinely pissed that got cut out of the movie from the deleted scenes of, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan are just like, should we try? They do, like, non-verbal stuff. And Anakin's like, yeah. no, let's try. No, no, that won't work here. And I'm like, why did you cut that? That's actually That's fun great. banter between the two of them. Uh, some people are just like, oh, look at that fantastic one take at the beginning of the movie. It's CG. That's yeah. not that impressive to do a one take for that. Yeah. Um, but the dialogue, it's fun. It feels like a fun rescue. And then, you know, every good rescue needs a good decapitation. And you're just going, <laughs> oh, that escalated quickly. If there's one thing I could change about the prequels and one thing only, it's have one villain be the threat the entire time. Leave Maul alive, cut out Dooku entirely, replace mm -hmm. Dooku's stuff with Maul, and that would solve a lot of your issues. Oh, yeah. If you have consistency. Because um, then you could have Anakin chop off Maul's head instead, and Obi-Wan would be like, dude, that was mine! Or something yeah. like that. Um yeah, the opening is great. You get the little teases to Anakin being evil, and then, praise the Lord on high, do it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, but that moment has been ruined for me by the Game Grumps. Um, <laughs> Spew it. <laughs> Take this light bulb. Screw it. Oh, like, it's just like that, that whole bit is fantastic. But yeah. I, and I have it, unfortunately, it is the, not unfortunately, but like it is my favorite moment of the film. Cool. Um, uh, is that whole opening sequence because it's just like even to the point of like there's moments where Obi-Wan and Anakin are actually having like 
banter between. I mean, it's not camaraderie. As as probably could have gotten, but Anakin like, tries to save some better. clones. He's trying to be a nice person. He is, and like it genuinely. And honestly, Hayden is not terror. Like his acting is pretty good. He's not. He's given actual cool stuff to say. He feels more like a real person, not just like a teenager who happens to uh, be playing a a Jedi. But like, it just it, it's so fun. Um, the banter, the the opening sequence, even the decap- decapitation, um, the fact that he like opened like like it's very obvious to the audience that um, Palpatine's trying to get him to leave Obi Wan behind and be like, "Nah, we don't need him." And Anakin's like, "Or I'll just put him on my back and we'll take him. It's fine." Yeah, why doesn't like, Anakin I'm not leaving him behind? That? What? Why doesn't Anakin question? It? He's just like, "You really want him to? You want us to leave him behind? Are, are you feeling okay, bro?" <laughs> like Anakin, I mean, this, Anakin is too chill yeah. for this movie. Of like Aunt Palpatine's like, oh yeah, I'm a Sith Lord. What? Like just casually puts a lightsaber to him. And he's like, what? Uh, explain. Like I've known. Yeah. You. Like Anakin's too passive in this movie. Uh, what? Yeah, what was your crazy. honorable mention going to be? Um, the Order sixty six sequence is still incredibly heartbreaking mm. for me. I still, it's still, especially like now i mean it might be more heartbreaking now that like clone wars and rebels and all these other all these other projects have come out and kind of put more emotional investment into that uh that moment but it's still like the realization like that these jedi fought alongside these clones to the point where like they were all friends and they're all really good like they're all comrades and the fact that the clones didn't have any control over it is even worse it's like oh it's still so heartbreaking um i the only reason it's a it's an honorable mention and not my favorite moment is because the only reason it's even more heartbreaking than it was than it is is because of all the stuff that came later from you know so my favorite moment from revenge of the sith is probably one of my favorite moments from all of star wars actually even though this isn't one of my favorite movies not my all-time favorite, but it's it's up there. And I didn't love it as a kid. I thought it was super, super boring. But as an adult, I love what's happening here. And I think it's honestly Hayden Christensen's best performance. And it's when he just tells Mace Windu about what happened to him and Palpatine. He's like, basically, Palpatine's the Sith Lord. And Windu's like, if what you told me is true, then you will have earned my trust. To which I say that a lot about movie mm-hmm. news. I'm like, ah, hey, you're not a credible source. But if it's true, you will have earned my trust. Um... And so he's like, wait in the Jedi temple until I return. And so Anakin's in the, the Jedi council room of the temple and Padme's at their a little house oh. apartment. And, oh, that's so good. Yes. And they're both looking at each other's respective buildings. Not a word of dialogue is said. And then John Williams' beautiful music. You get this like antsiness from Anakin and then restlessness and then sadness and he just starts breaking down crying just like have i made the right decision and in that moment you get all the emotion that you're supposed to be feeling with anakin because he hasn't opened his mouth to say any horrible dialogue and you just you feel the pain of like did i make the right choice in, in doing this am i killing the one person that could save my wife and again mm-hmm. because we can't not reference kung fu panda anakin falls victim to the classic Uguay line, a man falls into his destiny on the path he takes to avoid it. And that's exactly what happened. And it's just so 
beautifully done. The music from John Williams is so agonizing, and it's just the the longing from both characters. And you're like, it just tugs on your heartstring, and that doesn't really happen a lot in the prequels. You don't get a lot of genuine yeah. emotion in that. You're like, I feel it here. Yeah, absolutely. That is top ten. One of my favorite moments too. It's it's memed a lot, but like when the kid asks Anakin, like, oh, you know that you know you know exactly what no what, that, what I'm that, saying. that's memed to death, and I kind of love it. I love it that it's memed to death because it's genuinely funny. But like when I saw it, I was like horrified as like a middle school kid, like. Anakin, don't you can't do that to a child. What's worse <laughs> but, than <yeah>. a child? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So okay. next, chronologically, technically, it is Solo, the movie that exists yeah. and is just kind of fine. Um, I'll say honorable mention. I had a hard time with honorable mentions for this one, so I'll probably say either when Han shoots Woody Harrelson first. It's just Woody Harrelson. I don't remember what the character's name is. He's just Woody Harrelson being Woody Harrelson. Or the train heist. I think that was mm. a fun chase scene. And also the explosion on that is a practical explosion. And it looks fantastic. Um, but Solo is... It's eh. so forgettable. It's not the worst bad. Star Wars movie. But it's to me, it's pretty close. Um, yeah. Do you have an honorable um, mention, Josh? My honorable mention is the mall stinger at the end. Like... <laughs> Nah. Like, I feel bad that that's my, my honorable mention. Like, for me, it was, okay, cool. So they're they're actively acknowledging the Clone Wars stuff and the, the Rebel stuff. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm totally okay with that. Um, I wish they would have done more with it in live action, but whatever. Um, my favorite moment, though, and again... I don't want to say I didn't like this movie, because it is it's a good time it's that you don't safe. have to pay it, it it's safe it's a good time that you don't have to pay attention to but the first time uh solo gambles with lando yes is that's mine so good that's mine like, too i had we all knew that gambino was gonna be he's the best thing about lando, this movie a great lando but like god he is dripping suave in this scene like when he's like <laughs> i've heard a lot of things about you captain well all those things are true i was like oh oh everything oh, you've Lando, heard you about me is true <laughs> oh like, what Lando, i you don't know what he's saying bro but i love the little <sighs> attention to detail it's just like so what's your name han solo ah so han Tell me about yourself. Like, it's that tradition <laughs> that Billy D. Williams always called him Han and no one else did. And Billy yeah. D. Williams still to this day insists on calling him Han. So it's that little attention to detail. I didn't love Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. But to be fair, filling in the shoes of Harrison Ford is an unenviable task for any actor. And yeah. I don't think he nailed it for a lot of this movie. However, something about that scene just clicked that was a young han solo to me the fake cockiness of when he walks into the room i love that shot the low angle shot of him with the showing his legs in shadow with the gun holstered at his side uh just that whole game the dialogue between the two of them i felt like young han and young lando and it was yeah. perfect 
the performance of Alden was kind of spotty. Sometimes it felt like young Harrison Ford. Other times it just felt off. This scene was on. I don't know why this one felt so different, but he was on. Childish Gambino was on the entire time. He was perfect as Lando to the point of I kind of wish the movie was about him instead. Um, He's got that great line of, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But I'll accept it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you get twenty five percent of the share. I'll accept it. <laughs> like he was so good. Uh, yeah, it's yes. Solo is just kind of there. Um, Chewie's also great. Uh, Amelia Clark was a wasted character. Akira was just Which sucks, bad because it's Amelia Clark. Like, come on, man. Ah, there's so much and like like i think you and i have said this about solo multiple times like it's it's too safe it doesn't take any risks it doesn't kind of really capture the essence of solo like it just it's it's fine it, well, it's a thing that happened well speaking of which we know why solo played it safe because the movie right before it did not and it was critically divisive Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Well, I don't think it was critically divisive. By and large, critics and audience liked it. It's my least favorite Star Wars movie. I do not yeah, like Rogue that One. Surprise me. It's not my favorite at all. I think the first third of it is blindingly fast, and it does not work pacing-wise. Let's jump to every planet in the galaxy. Not necessarily likable protagonists or memorable protagonists. Um <sighs> How is it that the most interesting and human character is a robot? But then again, that's Alan Tudyk, and Alan Tudyk can do no wrong. Rogue One, I think, was... It had a good idea, but this started the trend of Lucasfilm interfering and going, all right, well, we know we said we wanted this, but in reality, we don't actually want this. So, yeah, if you could go ahead and change that, yeah, that would be great. Like having Tony Gilroy completely change the ending of your script... Um, we knew these characters more than likely wouldn't survive, but at least make them interesting and care about when they died. Like, I felt something when K2SO died. Everyone else, they're cannon fodder. I, I just didn't really care about Rogue One. That being said, when can we not sing the praises of Donnie Yen? So, honorable mm. mention to I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. Force with that, me. That's like the only memorable line from this movie because yes. he says it so much. I was well, tempted to merge that scene with Princess Bride of, you keep saying that thing. I don't think it means what do you think it means. I think it means. <laughs> it's great. But, like, Donnie Yen's character and his best friend are the best thing about this movie. To the point where, like, their deaths are the only ones I emotionally felt. I wish we didn't see it coming because if you remember, um, do you remember that year's Star Wars celebration when they first talked about Rogue One and the guy with the big gun was just like, oh, yes. Well, in a movie, when he dies, I believe in force. And we're all just going, dude, why did you have to say that? And everyone in the cast on the panel, just their heads just drop and we're all just going, oh, no. Like, you could tell yeah. this guy was not used to, like, big panels or anything. Like, why, why, why did you have to let us know? We knew he was gonna, everyone was going to die, but you don't outright say it. Um, So, do you have an honorable mention? If you don't... I do. That's fine, I too, because this movie's forgettable. Yeah, no, I got an honorable mention because... Uh, and it'll lead us really well into uh, our favorite parts of the... The, the only The only thing, thing that people talk about. 
Yeah. Um, and it also has to do with our boy Darth Vader when he's when he has I forget the guy's name because Krennic? he's so forgettable. Krennic? Krennic or whatever. When he's like, "Don't choke on your ambitions," and like choked, I was like, "Oh, my boy!" So, <laughs> I love that line. I don't get it. People hated that line when the movie came out because they're just like, "Darth Vader doesn't have a sense of humor." I'm going, "Apology accepted, <laughs> Captain Nita." Like. <laughs> Vader is the like, king of sass and always has been. Oh, He's as so clumsy good. as he is stupid. Like, Vader has always appreciated a good pun every once in a while. This is not I mean, out of the norm and for him. it's still Anakin. Like, you can't tell. Like, it's that's still whatever, dude. It's, oh, it's good. It's a good time. I love, I'm, and it's a pun, so you know I'm going to love it. Oh, yeah. Like, don't choke on your ambitions. I was like, oh. And well played. Well obviously, played. the best thing about Rogue One is seeing a video game come to life. It is literally when you get the hero oh, power yeah. up in a video game and you just body everyone. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens in Rogue One with Darth Vader going, I wonder what Vader would be like un- just unrestricted. Just. Oh, it's like when you're playing Battlefront or any other game, and you're just playing as a regular character, and then you get the hero power up, and you basically can't take battle damage. It's like Mario, when you eat the star type of thing, you're just gonna wreck fools, and sometimes you just want to see crying rebels just get wrecked. Like, I love when he throws a dude on the ceiling and just cuts him in half from the ceiling, just like casually, like uh, me, or a tall person. I always have that weird instinct we need to touch the doorway to something or something tall. That's all Vader did with his life. They were just, whoop, let me chop this dude in half. It, oh, it's so good. It was the Vader scene we've waited for so long to see. Well, and I think it was a Vader scene we needed at that point in time. Because not a lot of people, like, unless you watch, like, Rebels or uh, or the Clone Wars, you don't really see how, like, destructive Vader can be. Um, and so we kind of needed something live action to show us like why people are like legit terrified of Darth Vader outside of him choking fools. Um, and God, it's just like, it's so good. Like you can't, the, the amount of like skill to just, just displaying the use of his swordmanship and his force abilities. Like it's just it's peak. It's, it's I mean, obviously we can't tell because he's got a mask. He looks like he's barely breaking a sweat. He's more just inconvenienced by it than anything else. He's just <laughs> like, uh, fine. Combo breaker. <laughs> this is that, <laughs> that scene is what would happen if Michael Myers was trying to get to somebody and just keeping his regular pace, but then also like slaying fools on the way to get to his to If get Michael home. Myers had a lightsaber, that would, <laughs> it's not too dissimilar from the ending of Halloween kills. All right. No, we've got a whole bunch not. of people. We've got him. Oh no! No, <laughs> did nobody bring a gun? Nobody brought a gun. But okay, someone wait, wait. was smart enough in Halloween Kills to bring an iron. Like, did you not wait, see? Wait. Did you see that picture? A woman brought an actual iron to the fight, and I'm going. <sighs> I hope you die first. Props budget must have been massive. But they couldn't afford any. <laughs> mm, I was about to say they couldn't afford any guns, but it's probably for the best. Yep um all right so let's uh we get now holy cow like it feels like we've been talking star wars for forever but we're just now getting into the original trilogy dang all of a new hope just all of it all of it see a new hope is my favorite movie 
in it's good. all of Star Wars. I think it's, it, it's, it's my good. favorite because it's the most just straightforward. Literally every single scene is iconic. Like, you just yeah. know every line. It's the most straightforward good versus evil. Are there movies in this that are more technically sound? Yes, Empire Strikes Back, I think, is a thematically stronger movie and it progresses the characters and the themes more. But New Hope is just the most straightforward, rewatchable, era-defining movie. I, To me, it's just one of my most rewatchable movies, and it's just my favorite. There's so much yeah. good about it. Um, My honorable mention is the Death Star Trench Run. Mm. I love that. It's not my favorite moment of the movie, but... God, it's so cool. It's just so cool. Like it's, I, I don't, I'm, I keep wanting to say it's the first of its kind, but like, God, it's just like everything about that from the moment that they're like, all right, attack position to the moment they blow the Death Star up is absolute action sci-fi gold. There's nothing about that scene I would change. Like it still makes me laugh that they named the one fat guy Porkins um like uh, poor guy poor dude (laughs) uh but like there's so much of like it's just the fact that like you you have like uh, two teams do the trench run before luke ever gets down there so it's like oh that's like it it amps up that emotional tension like okay this is our third go and if we don't get this we're probably not going to be able to make this happen and like so it's just it's just so good and wedge antilles is literally the luckiest guy in the world hey my ship's broken oh don't worry we won't bother shooting at you or anything yeah you can just peel off and find another day like come on man you're the luckiest guy in the world uh yeah that trench (laughs) run is just fantastic uh, I remember as a kid going, well, why couldn't they just go above it? And now as an adult going, because big guns. Like, you think there's big guns in the trench itself, but there's bigger guns on the surface. So they need yeah. to get down there. Um, but yeah, I, I'd probably put that as an honorable mention. Just a lot could fit in an honorable mention. Yeah. The Obi-Wan and Vader fight. Um, meeting Han for the first time. But my favorite moment, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's yours too, is the best piece of Star Wars music in the entire franchise when John Williams is just flexing his muscle so hard musically, and it's the binary sunsets. Yes! You know your scene is perfect when not even Family Guy can make fun of it. Like, I love in the Family Guy special, you got Chris looking (laughs) off in the sunset, and he just looks at the camera... John Williams and the London Philharmonic Magic Orchestra, everybody. everybody. And they just the they over it. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so good. And still to this day, outside of maybe one or two scenes in the entire Star Wars se- series, is the only one that gives me absolute goosebumps. Of like, God, it's just so, it's so cool. I can't No words, it. no words. Oh, so good. Um, yeah, Binary Sunset is absolute peak Star Wars. There's nothing better than it. I got nothing else to say on that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's just, nothing better than it. Musically, it tells he wa- doesn't want to live on a farm forever. He he doesn't want to be here. He does. I also appreciate, I don't think the movie mapped out this far ahead, but I love when Aunt Beru is just like, you can't keep him here forever. He's got too much of his father in him. And Owen's like, 
That's what I'm afraid of. To which, if you're watching for the first time, you're just like, huh, that's funny because his dad's dead. Now you're watching and going, wait, do they know at this point that Luke would be connected to his dad? Because that's good foreshadowing if it's intentional, convenient if it's not. Um, but the, <laughs> the music and the framing... Music in the frame, which just perfectly illustrates what Luke is feeling, even without saying anything you know, and you can relate to the character in that moment. He's still an annoying brat through most of New Hope, but that's what character yeah. development's there for. You know, um, Ray, that's a word you may not have heard before of character development. It's when you as a person change through a story or events that shape you as a person, not being a stagnant, uninteresting character like John Cena. Not that I have issues with Ray or anything. And no, it's not because she's a girl, as some people would suggest. It's because she's an uninteresting, flat character. But we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Let's burn the bridges straight to Empire Strikes Back, which is a lot of people's favorite movie in the franchise. Mm, yeah. It's Heather's favorite. Um, it's up there for me. Empire Strikes Back, when I was a kid, was the movie in the original trilogy that I watched the least, and I disliked it for... <laughs> I disliked it the most, primarily because it was, quote-unquote, slow and uninteresting. Also, I don't particularly like Hoth. Hoth is not really my favorite planet. Like, if I could go anywhere in the Star Wars universe, I would probably go to, like, I don't know, Endor before I go to Hoth. And so spending so much time in Hoth and Empire really took it out of it for me. But... I think the other part that I didn't like with Empire as much when I was a kid is there's a lot of mature thematic elements that you don't get so much when you're a kid. There's a lot of shown but not spoken and elements, especially with character changes. Like, Empire's where Luke is going to change the most. And so a lot of what I like now as an adult about Empire Strikes Back is stuff that under that happens to luke and the changes that he undergoes like he's an annoying brat in a new hope but my honorable mention for empire strikes back is the cave scene i did not understand that as a kid i thought it was weird and bizarre uh, but as an adult i love the cave scene because it's literally him confronting what he doesn't know is him yet i think yeah it's a little bizarre because they're just like oh <gasps> You could end up like Darth Vader. I think the reveal would have worked better in Return of the Jedi, not Empire. I think that reveal would work better after he knows who his dad is. Yeah. But I love the cave scene, minus some snakes, because screw snakes, they all deserve to die. (laughs) Well, and, like, on top of that, like, knowing... Yeah, like, no, that makes sense, because that scene doesn't make sense until it's revealed of who his father is. Yeah. Whatever. There's a lot of really good stuff in Empire. I just... Maybe it's part of me that doesn't... I love happy endings. So it's like... the. I, I, it's not my favorite. I don't know. By uh, my honorable mention is possibly, in my opinion, the best line of the whole movie. Which is when Lando's like objecting what he's doing to Han. And he's like, I've altered the deal. Pray I, I don't pray, alter it. Pray I don't alter it any further. I was like, oh, Yes. No that, disintegrations. Me, I I just it's so good. Like I don't Darth Vader, I think, in this movie specifically, kind of goes from just this guy. He kinda like seems 
in A New Hope, he almost seems like how do we describe it? You know how like in in he's in, a pawn in, in A New cop, Hope. It, yeah, he in in a like cop movies or like in Lucifer the show. How Lucifer Lucifer is just like a consultant to the police to the to the police department. Sure, it feels like you know you know, but like it feels like. Darth Vader's just like a consultant they brought on. Yeah, the they Empire make a joke like, about it in A New Hope of just like uh, Princess Leia's like, I thought I smelled your foul stench when I was brought on board. How did you get it's something about like Vader's on Tarkin's leash or something like yeah. that? Like Tarkin's that one action behind just, everything. Yeah, the, the, the Darth Vader is just kind of this dog that they keep around from time to time. But then Empire Strikes Back kind of shows that, no, no, this guy is just as bad and just as clever and cunning as everybody else. So he is a force to be reckoned with, which is, I think, definitely something Vader needed to to have for character development. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Alter the deal. So, What's the best thing about Empire, then? What's your best moment? The carbon-free seat sequence. Okay, okay. I, I'm starting to notice a trend where I really like <laughs> Confessions of Love. <laughs> Um, because one of my favorite things in, in Attack of the Clones is that scene between Anakin and Padme before they're about to get executed. My favorite scene in Empire Strikes Back is, I love you, I know. I was like, oh! Which, yes! thank God for Harrison Ford changing the line, because it was yes. supposed to be, I love you too. Which, quick side tangent about Attack of the Clones, I should have brought this up earlier. There's a friend I had in college, I don't speak to this person anymore, unrelated to what I'm about to say, but it it could factor in that their favorite Star Wars movie was Attack of the Clones because it has good romance. And I'm going, Mm-mm. um, all right, dude. What? But yeah. And, uh, Revenge of the Sith isn't ex- at all a soap opera. Um, mm. dude, absolutely not. Yeah. No, there's a lot to like in it. In empire, uh, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's my, if I'd say it's my favorite. It's definitely up there though. It's definitely up there. So my, my favorite moment in Empire Strikes Back, I'm going to cheat a little bit and kind of merge a couple different ones together and just say anything with Master Yoda in it, I think, has okay. only aged with time. And Yoda's another yeah. one that I remember him being a much bigger character in the movie. And as I get older, he's really not in it as much as I thought because Luke is just kind of like, all right, I'm going to spend about a week with this weird dude in a swamp, and then I'm just going to dip because my friends are in trouble. So, yeah. like, when Yoda dies pretty immediately into Return of the Jedi, it's kind of weird of, like, the lasting impact that the character has made for how little of screen time he's had. But I just love all of Yoda, basically. He's only gotten better as I get older of, like, uh, failure is the true teacher or something like along those lines. Um just like, I can't, I can't do it. That is why you fail. And you're just like, oh. And see, like, to me, that, that, that is why I'm more, I think, okay with when Ray dips on, on Luke. Like, no, I've got to go help my friends. Like, A, she's making the same mistakes that Luke did. B, it's, yeah, like, she's just, she's young. She has the power to defend her friends. She's gonna, like, I don't know about you, but like, if I had the kind of abilities that Luke or Ray have, and I find out my friends are on the, probably going to be tortured and killed, yeah, I'd absolutely try to do something about it. So I, it's a good I thing really, Josh doesn't have the force. 
yeah, there's a lot of th- a lot of reasons why it's a good thing Josh doesn't have the force. Um, yeah, <laughs> wow, that's, that sounded way worse. And uh, anyway, um, so hey, let's talk about Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. This was the one that I watched the most as a kid because it's the most. Yeah, I think it's the most kid friendly and the most action packed. Um, yeah, I'd agree. To which, like, it had one of my favorite moments as a kid. That's my honorable mention now. That still gets me giddy excited to this day. That once again, Family Guy made fun of it by making it ridiculously long. Bump, bump, do do, and then Luke thinks he's gonna jump into the Sarlacc pit. R two shoots the lightsaber into the sky, turns it on. Oh wait, it's not blue. It is bright green. Luke now has a green, awesome-looking lightsaber, and then just mows everyone down. He kicks a guy and misses the kick by like a solid two feet which i still laugh at to this day but luke turning on that green lightsaber i'm going oh, that still gets me super giddy excited it's my second favorite lightsaber in all of star wars the only one that's better is obi-wan's in attack the clones and uh, phantom menace just because of my love of obi-wan and then he switches it to his classic one in revenge of the sith that green lightsaber is wonderful and it's a little less wonderful when you find out why they changed it. It was a lot more boring than you think. Because you're just like, oh, he got it. It's a green lightsaber because he's a Jedi Knight now. No, it's because if he had the blue lightsaber, that wouldn't show up as well against the, the sky backdrop. So they just changed the color. I'm going, oh, well, that's a little anticlimactic. But yeah. I like his green lightsaber better than his blue one anyway. And yeah. that's such a cool action scene. I love it so much. Well, that that lightsaber is is so like the hilt is awesome. Like the way that it pops out is cool. Like it's just everything about that lightsaber in that scene is great until Boba as a total chump and just falls into the Sarlacc. Um, which I'm glad they've kind of they're working to retcon that. Uh, my honorable mention is uh basically the battle of endor like the not the space one that's happening the one in the forest and because yeah. as much as i hate the the um don't say ewoks ewoks i hate the ewoks uh because ewoks are not that bad ewoks are the best they're murderous and they're wonderful <laughs> they're definitely a toy notice how grab. we never find the stormtroopers bodies that's what they were serving at the banquet there anyway um yeah no like <laughs> and they play the hollowed out helmet heads of the oh god they revel okay, in the look. victory ewoks but, are evil and they're glorious it's but like that's why like there's no reason that these little tiny uh, beings primitive beings should be able to take down these technologically advanced uh stormtroopers and imperial forces um, however what you mean what? just like how the americans shouldn't have been able to beat the british so anyway uh, i mean they shouldn't on paper yeah it they should shouldn't not have, have worked but it's exactly the same of you hide in the foliage and you use the environment to your advantage and then the enemy has to break ranks and break their formation it's exactly yeah. the same because star wars is the american revolution verbatim <laughs> it's a historical movie <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure, why not? Um, <laughs> I, it's just so cool. And Star then, Wars like, the is little, real life. <laughs> the little bit about with that Han Solo does when he gets caught at first, and then like Lee, yeah, it's just it's so great. It's it's a good time, no matter like oh, so so just good quality battle sequence. And then the saddest Star Wars moment in history 
is when one Ewok survives and his buddy doesn't, and he just like kind of nudges him. No, don't do that to my emotions. Hold that's, on. That's like so unnecessarily sad. You're like, yes. Why? Like, I get, just why? No, I, get it, we're in a, I get it. We're in a battle, but you don't need to hit me like that. Like, oh, uh, oh. It's like seeing one of the gummy bears dead. See, okay, but you say gummy bears, and I just think of that that bit from Robot Chicken. No, not gummy, gummy bears. Bear. Uh, Care Bears. There we go. Don't care. Screw the Care Bears. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best moment um, of Return of the Jedi for you, Josh? My favorite moment of Return of the Jedi is when Darth Vader's like, yo, if you won't join me, maybe your sister will. And Luke goes, absolutely hell. It is so great. And I loved like watching it as a kid being like, oh, no. No, 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 no. He's actually going to turn. He's actually going to turn. And then the flap opened. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That is so mine. Good. That is mine as well. However, you missed the lead into it. Of well, my yeah, favorite shot of all time in Star Wars is when he's hiding underneath the stairs. To which, how does Vader go? I can't sense you, dude. It's like twenty-five square feet. How can you not see him? I know it's a little dark <laughs> down below, but there's not a whole lot of places he can hide. But he's hiding, and half his face is in light, and the other half is covered in shadow. Mm, it's almost like symbolism for how his moral compass and his character is feeling in that moment. Is he being pulled to the light? Is he being pulled to the dark? If you will not turn, then perhaps she will. To which I love the how it should have ended of, Sister, you have a sister? I have a daughter? Emperor, I have a daughter! <laughs> like, how does he not freak that out? But then Luke, no! And I, I've said how I want choreography like Phantom Menace. I appreciate that when Luke snaps, he has bad choreography. Because when you're pissed, you don't care about form. You're just going after the person. Yeah, like, absolutely. in a fight, your goal is to piss off your opponent to the point that they become unbalanced. And that's exactly what happens to Luke, except Vader. I love that even with a mask, you can tell Vader has a reaction of, Oh, balls. I done goofed. <laughs> like, his head quickly turns and goes, Oh, crap. And just retreat so quickly and then luke without form without gorgeous uh choreography to it just hacks away at vader and then chops off his arm and is about to just keep hacking but then pauses and sees his dad's cut off hand looks down and sees his own ruined hand and going ah it's it's all symbolism it's all it's like poetry it rhymes and so stop and then, <laughs> stop <laughs> the scene gets undercut by Luke doing the stupidest thing of his career. Never. I'll never turn to the dark side. Proceeds to chuck his lightsaber away forever while Palpatine is still standing right there. And yeah. Palpatine just shocks him and just goes, like, okay, Luke, you have that coming. You should have just kept your lightsaber, you freaking moron. Like, I think that's why Vader doesn't immediately save him. He's just like, you know, he needs to be taught a lesson. So, shocker. Ha! But see, like, I can totally see Anakin doing the same stupid thing of like, nah, I'm wrapped up in the dra dramatic moment. Yeah. These emotions are so intense. Blah. Throw away my lightsaber. Maybe I shouldn't. Oh my gosh, he's exactly like his dad. <gasps> he is! This he weapon is your life. He kept losing it in attack. It's like poetry, wow. it rhymes. 
hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate all of it. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, even to the point where like I love the memes of uh, when Anakin, when Luke is like on the balcony or or on that catwalk or whatever, and like Vader like looks up at him. It was like Vader's. That's the moment Vader realizes Luke has the high ground. Right. He's got the high, high ground. All you got to do is get the high ground on Anakin. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, Let's fast forward 30 years uh, to oh, The Force geez. Awakens. Here we go. Man, I... Okay, I'm going to say this now. I think I said it early in the pod, but, like, the amount of hate that the 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 sequel trilogy gets is unwarranted. Especially Force it. Awakens. Yeah. I mean, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, I understand if you can't, if you, if it's, I understand if you think it's not the better of the Star Wars films, but like one of the captions on the videos that I saw was like, it's a complete cinematic failure. First of all, no, uh, shut up. Um, but like, there's still some really cool stuff in all three of these movies, but especially Force Awakens, because <laughs> Golly, I just... Alright, so, let's just dive right in. Honorable mentions. Um, I still laugh about Finn telling Han he's a big deal, and then Han calling him a big deal the rest of the movie. Great, great stuff. Where'd you work? Sanitation. Sanitation. What? <laughs> That's not how the force works. Works. <laughs> what, you're cold? Uh, Shocker. Like, <laughs> yes, he doesn't like, have a jacket. It's so good. Like, yeah, we're all cold. Oh, so good. Um, But also, honorable mention to one of the moments, I think my jaw dropped in the beginning of the film, when it kind of like is one of the first moments where they're like, hey, this is going to be something really different, is when Poe goes to shoot Kylo and he freezes the blaster bolt in midair. And I was like, as like, as, as an adult, I went, oh, that's, that's scary. Like, how do you deal with that? With I mean, so Darth Kylo's Vader a broken was just like, character. You can't play I mean, as he him. Is. He's an <laughs> he odd is job. Broken. <laughs> like emotionally but like, broken. At the same time. God, that's so cool. Like, how do you deal with a a villain that you can't shoot? You can't get like you can't get close to like. Oh, so cool. I love it. Honorable mention though. And then, as soon as he does that, uh, or. At the end of the scene, you get the introduction to Kylo's great theme of dun 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 yes. dun dun. You're like, oh! By and large, I think the music for the sequel trilogy isn't as strong as the original trilogy or even the sequel trilogy, but there are some really good musical cues. Uh, my honorable mention is when they get the Millennium Falcon for the first time and that chase scene with the two Tie Fighters, because there's that. I love when they just shoot down one, but then they do stuff with the Millennium Falcon that the Millennium Falcon has never done before. Like they kind of flip it upside down and then blast it out the tail and going, Oh, that's cool to see. I didn't know the ship could do that. And then, Oh, it's just so good. The, the flying, the CG clearly was a much big upgrade from the original trilogy, obviously, but it was the same but new, which is essentially what you need to know about Force Awakens. Um, and that's why that is my favorite moment from Force Awakens. Is like, it? it is, dude, I watched that scene 
like I, I, I watched it a couple days ago because it was in my head. And I was like, I gotta watch it, I gotta watch it. I mean, that happens a lot to me with a lot of stuff. But like that scene comes up in my head a lot because it's it's super fun. You don't really have to know a lot about Ray and Finn to be into the scene, but it helps that like up to that point, you kind of feel where Ray and Finn are emotionally. And like, I love the fact that they call it a piece of junk before and then boom, all right, piece of junk then. And they go over to the foul. I was like, yes. And then the also, shot lingers. Is- so they get the little bit of respect for the Falcon that it deserves. Dude. Oh, and like, like you said, the flip uh, at the end, the way that they kill the last fighter, like, oh, it's so cool. And then the, when they both, when they're all, you know, they, they're flying off and they both come down like, oh, that was so cool. But you did. Yeah, you, you did. Yeah. But oh, that was so awesome. Oh my gosh. And there's like no Han in the situation to be like, don't get cocky, kid. Like, like, oh, these are just two two kids that have just experienced something super awesome. And they're just like us. Like if we if we were in that scenario, like, whoa, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe you did that. That was so cool. Like it's oh, it is my favorite moment of the entire movie. I mean that and that's not to say that there's nothing else in the movie that I enjoy. Because honestly, Force Awakens is to me top five Star yeah, Wars films. I love so Force Awakens. Good. I think it doesn't get talked about nearly enough because the latter two movies didn't mm-hmm. deliver what people were hoping. But Force Awakens absolutely gets stuff back on track and it's one of the best Star Wars movies out there probably top five like you said uh mine is a different finn moment and it's the moment that i knew okay at least for the time being star wars is back on track and it's much more of what i know and love and it is when finn and poe mount their escape from the ship yeah and she's like wait why are you helping me because it's the right thing to do you need a pilot. I need a pilot. <laughs> and they're like trying to make their escape and they're latched on. And they're like, oh, we're still attached. Go. Oh, boy, that guy, that thing's got a kick. And it's like he shoots the TIE fighter. And, Did you see that? Did you see that? I saw it. And they're like, they've got this great buddy dynamic. And you're just like, holy crap, th- this feeling that I'm feeling is, is this what fun in a Star Wars movie feels like again? And like human character interaction? That's that's when the love affair with Oscar Isaac and John Boyega started. I'm just going, I need more of them together. These guys are yeah. awesome. Their chemistry is so great. I'm glad JJ didn't kill off Poe like it was originally scheduled to happen. Um, yeah. But that scene, it was a Star Wars chase scene ramped up with modern effects and also much better writing and chemistry between the two characters was just so much fun. It, that's all it was. It was just fun and that we had not seen in a very long time because as much as i enjoy the prequels they tend to take themselves a little too seriously at times yeah well that that scene is coupled with when poe returns when we think he's dead and he's like literally i love that like they're they're like yeah he's the best pilot in the rebellion whatever and you're like okay oh i I forgot about that scene nope scratch it that's my favorite scene scratch it scratch it that's my favorite scene that long shot of him like just flying destroying uh tie fighters and john boyoga's finn's like whoa that's a great pilot and you're like as the audience i've counted it's like 12 dude it's it's like 12 tie fighters that's a kill streak if i've ever seen one um scrap (laughs) scrap that bump oscar and finn moving escaping to my honorable mentions my favorite part is when you see the x-wings crumbing coming across the water Ooh, that yes. shot is so gorgeous it's like who's that 
It's the rebellion. Dun, 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 and you're oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's not a let's space go, battle, boy. it's a ground battle. It's all it's awesome. And then you see Han like shoot somebody, not even looking, shoot, and then you go flying, or he uses Chewie's bowcaster. Oh, I like this thing. <laughs> I love so much I love I love his face. It's like, can I can I try that? Can I I, I wanna try it? It's Han That's trying so out bad. it's like it was oh. Harrison Ford trying everything left on his Han bucket list before he gets killed off, more or less. <laughs> like, like, and I think that's a New Hope. Sorry, a Force Awakens does everything a New Hope does, but in a way that's like more fun and has it. It doesn't take itself as seriously. It doesn't try to be this like hardcore sci-fi film with all this following, but then it does at the same time. It, it's. It's almost like you should have let JJ do the whole series. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. I'm mad. Last Jedi. Let's Last Jedi. Let's talk about Last Jedi. I <laughs> I like both. I was like, let's talk about Last Jedi. Both of us were like, do we? Do we have to? Okay. It's not a bad by... movie. It's a well put no. together movie from a film perspective, but it, to me, it's a bad Star Wars movie. There's just so many elements that yeah. I don't like, like the stupid. It's not a horse, but more or less the horse race. Like anything on oh, what's that planet called? Um, Canto Bite. Yeah, anything on Canto Bite is just awful. Or the character of Holdo. Literally anything with Holdo doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Like I get that you I... want to have Poe go through a journey, but there's much more logical and better ways to go about it. And also. They wouldn't have known what was going to happen to Carrie Fisher in real life. Yeah. But wouldn't it have been more special if either Leia or Admiral Akbar were the one to pilot the ship to hyperspeed instead of a character that we just met in this movie? Like, the fact... There's so many characters in this that I'm just going, oh, yeah, they died, but weren't given their proper respect. Like, I had to see this movie two or three times to realize, oh, they killed off Akbar. They just didn't care. Or the greatest tragedy in all the sequel trilogies, you destroyed Poe's black and gold X, black and orange X-Wing. That thing was gorgeous, and it never comes back. I love that ship so much. But Damn. Last Jedi, its, its mission was to say, we don't care about the originals. We're telling our new story, which could work if the new story's was interesting but they throw out so much of what already existed and as much as people bag on rise of skywalker it was put into a corner by the last jedi basically last jedi was like not nah, man we're we're cutting all the ropes basically we're cutting off the narrative here I'm like it's not a bad movie but it's a bad middle part of a trilogy with a lot of incoherent yeah. stuff it, it sucks because, like, the middle one in a Star Wars film is supposed to be the one that leaves you on a cliffhanger. It's supposed to leave you on, oh, man, will they be able to continue on this next one? Like, where would it? But it doesn't do that. It gives you a good solid ending. And so it's like, what are we supposed to do now? Ugh. That being said, <laughs> um, this movie is not as bad as everybody says it. It's not great, but it, it there are still some stuff to love. Um all right, honorable mentions. When Luke smacks Ray's hand, 
with the uh, <laughs> I forgot the about that. That's good. It's so good. It's like, do you feel it's it? the force? Yeah. Do you feel the, the force? <laughs> it's the force. Here. What? <laughs> that like, wasn't the force, was it? No. Mm, it's so good. So good. That's a great moment. Um, and the only reason this is an honorable mention is because I don't like the reveal. The Kylo Luke fight is fantastic. I'm going to put air quotes on the on the on the fight. I don't like that Luke wasn't actually there. Really, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that he has that amount of force ability, even though he's cut himself off for how many years? Yeah, to and... meditate and grow in the force because Octu yeah. is no, but, no, 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 but no, 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 not grow in the force because he goes to that planet to cut himself off. He cuts himself off from the force. He said they said no that. to isolate. Yeah, whatever. You could still but, learn. You've got nothing better to do with your time than learn more of the force. Uh, you okay? Fine. Regardless, it just would have been cooler if he was there. And actually, that like that's the sacrifice. Is I just it's cool, and I love seeing Kylo going full rage to the point we never think he'll hit now that he has turned there's no way he'll ever you know come back and there's all the good is gone i love that i just i i wish luke was actually there for them to actually fight because there's a lot of like cool stuff that kylo does with his with his lightsaber that i think could just luke would back balance off of really fun it just i don't know it's it's a little frustrating i'm on the flip side but that's why it's i I don't mind the final fight, especially when you know what's happening. I think it's cool. Um, I'm on the flip side. My honorable mention is I think that's the best way Luke could have gone out is looking okay. at the sun, looking at the dual sunsets and just kind of fading just like uh, Obi-Wan did before him. Mm. I just have issues with it was in the middle part of a trilogy. It'd be like if Yoda died yeah. in Empire Strikes Back. It, it just wouldn't really make a whole that's lot weird. of sense. Uh, yeah. I like the scene. I like... It was a new force power that we hadn't seen before. Uh, but speaking of Yoda, my favorite thing about Last Jedi is that Yoda cameo. That That's pretty good. Give credit where credit's due. That was a very well-kept secret. No one knew that was coming. And how they mm-hmm. revealed it was so well done. If you see Luke about to burn the old Jedi texts and he just walks past and it's in the foreground. You see the ears are going, oh. <gasps> It's Yoda, and then Yoda's like, "Ah, oh, so uh, young one, uh, so uh, what, what, you, what you doing over there? I'm burning the Jedi text. Do it! I, I'm gonna do it! I'm, I'm gonna do it! Do it, coward! Do it! Then. Do it. <laughs> so, I, I'm gonna!" And then Yoda just basically summons lightning and destroys. It's just like, yeah. So what? The Jedi is more <laughs> than just textbooks, and that girl has all the knowledge that she needs. Which I. Mm, debatable but i love that at the end of the day it's still yoda can admit hey we jedi don't have it all figured out and that's okay yoda will always be a great character uh also i love when kylo kills snoke but then we'll just cut it off right there and don't include anything else what that throne room fight that throne room fight has not aged as well as you think it has that's probably true there's a However, whole bunch of stunt people just kind of standing around. That's why I'm like, okay, get the moment of Kylo killing Snoke, 
the awesome musical cue, the Force theme has never been stronger in Star Wars music when it's Kylo and Rey teaming up back to back. Cut the scene there because it kind of gets a little wonky after that. They just kind of, Praetorian Guard just kind of spawn, they even have certain spawn points where they just kind of pop up and they're like, oh, what? Well, let's let Chuck attack first, then Larry, you can go, and then Bill, you next. Let's go one at a time. Okay, yes, that's 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 fair. I but the throne room scene, I I, I will give you the cutoff of when we get into the, the actual fight sequence. But the throne room scene from the elevator ride up all the way into the betrayal of uh, that Kylo k- kills Snoke, uh, and like there's that that look in Ray's eyes of like. <gasps> he's he's doing he's turning like oh yes he's gonna be on my side <laughs> and then... um and to be to be like i'd struggle with the the fight sequence because you're right it there are a bunch of people just standing around but then you also get some really cool stuff like ray throwing kylo that that lightsaber catches it and pfft, right through the guy's head like that's so cool or like he do it blocked drop it to slice like that's so cool and like that's stuff we haven't really seen it's just wrapped in some okay choreography but like snoke before they destroy his character in rise of skywalker um no He's not really in Rise of Skywalker, though. No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is they oh, kind of okay, go like, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, he's just a clone put there by Sidious. It's like, okay. So well. was the bathrobe a Sidious decision or a Snoke thing? Because that <laughs> skeezy uncle vibes there. Yeah, and but see, and I love that, that he does have the skeezy uncle vibes. And I love that he... As a villain, that's okay, perfect. Okay. As a villain, not saying like I'm gonna have the skeezy uncle vibe. Like I'm already got the uh, the cool uncle vibe going. Um, but yeah, like I I like I think the throne throne room scene is is the best. I think it's in a way it's almost a possibility of what could have happened between with Luke and Vader the last time in in, uh, in return of the Jedi where Vader turns on Sidious and like, it's almost like that basically, but Vader decides to rule the empire instead, which uh, Kylo is the, to me, the best character of the sequel series. So I'm all, oh. almost everything I have on this list involves Kylo. So yeah. especially when we get to rise of Skywalker, when he's like the yes. one and only interesting character. Cause everyone else is just kind of, there there's really no growth they try and do yeah. some growth with poe but it's not and like i feel it because so let's go ahead and start talking about rise so the issue with rise of skywalker is that and we you and i have said it on the podcast numerous times and we said it in this podcast a couple times is that the last shot i wrote the series into a corner which is odd that they allowed it to happen um it just wrote it to the quarter and rises like, all right, cool. So we have a whole other movie to do. How do we send everybody off and close the Skywalker saga in one movie, even though we technically should have, should have had three, but yeah, let's, let's, let's how, how do we, how do we do this? And so it wrote it into a corner. And so it's, it's got a lot that it has to do. It has to accomplish. And it tries to still do some fun stuff with the, galaxies but like you said it's rushed a good part but like 
I, I refuse to sit here and say that there's not good stuff in Rise of Skywalker. There's you know a what movie, I mean? There is a movie that I point to as responsible for why Rise of Skywalker ended up the way it did. And it's not Last Jedi, actually. Really? Follow the train of thought. I think the movie that most hurt Rise of Skywalker is Avengers Endgame. Because after Avengers Endgame, look at the marketing for Star Wars. It wasn't, this is the end of the trilogy. It's, this is the end of the saga. This is the big culmination of this big story that's been told for 40 years. I'm going, but all the the trilogies are self-contained trilogies that fit into a larger story. And the whole ships come to the aid of Poe at its most desperate hour. Tell me that doesn't feel like Captain America and on your left with the portals at the end. Like, I feel like Disney saw the success of Endgame and they're just like, well, we can make this our Star Wars Endgame. I'm like, well, this movie was never intended to be that. Don't make it that. You're trying to fit like a circle into a square peg, basically. Like, it... yeah. You can't force something that isn't. So I think it's a combination of Last Jedi putting it into a corner and trying to meet the expectations of an endgame level event. Yeah, which makes which is unfortunate because I think we were definitely leading towards a double turn for Kylo and, and Ray. Uh, still that's, missed that's opportunity. So, that is so, so interesting. More uh, story has more thematically interesting than and it, especially coming off of rise a double turn would make the most sense and it 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 would be the most uh emotionally uh compromising for i think the audience oh yeah that being said let's if you want how episode eight and nine should have done a double turn check out my videos on how episode eight could have worked <laughs> and how episode nine could have worked not to be me but i think it they would have worked a lot better thematically uh but let's well, let's yeah. finish this out honorable mentions and good our favorite moments from Rise of Skywalker. Absolutely. So let's go with. Uh, I'm gonna lead with when Ray stops the ship from flying away. I I think that's so cool. I mean, given there's a lot of stuff that goes into that moment that kind of like taints it a little bit. But like just the you mean the chewy the fake moments, death? Yes, I hate that. But the moment where there's a very specific moment where she's like whoa, they're getting away. They're taking Chewie. Nah, boom, and stops the ship. That, to me, again, like seeing people do stuff with the Force that we hadn't seen before is something that the sequel trilogy does really well, and I really, really like it. So Ray just discovered the Force Unleashed, basically? Yeah, basically. Which is like hilarious that we're okay with all the stuff that that character is able to do in force unleashed but like you know ray is just yeah anyway it's like character development development or something um my other uh honorable mention is i genuinely just love seeing lando again and seeing like that festival it just it added like a bunch of culture to like small pockets of the world like oh well there's like religious like festivals that happen like all over the galaxy like, i thought it looked so more like cool. burning man almost yeah but like almost like burning man but which is like also fine as well like i'm totally okay with that like oh like these aliens in a way are just like us they they all gather together in color for festivals from here it's just it was cool and i think it was something we hadn't really seen in the star wars universe up to that point of and it was just nice and seeing lando being like <laughs> Give Princess Leia my regard. Uh, give him yourself. And I was like, of course Lando would wait until Han's dead. That's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my honorable mention is it's going to be a lot of 
Kylo Relay stuff. So it is when he is now Ben Solo and he fights the Knights of Ren. Granted, Knights of Ren had not been properly built up through this series. They're just kind of there. Um, but I love the little touches to being his father's son of the mm-hmm. no-look shot when he's running on the corner. Or my favorite is when he gets the magically gets the teleporting lightsaber from Rey and he does the shrug like yeah. his dad didn't return the jedi i'm like okay that's cool and he fights all the knights of ren while kind of handily getting his butt kicked um or he yeah. like jumps down in the hole and just like kind of body slams through the chain ow I'm like okay this, <laughs> this is kind of fun um yeah kylo ren is trying his best to carry this entire movie because yeah adam driver doesn't know how to give anything less than 100 percent, and i appreciate him for that uh, and that's why, actually, <laughs> my favorite thing about this movie is Kylo fighting the Knights of Ren, going, like, the whole sequence of him going to go save Rey. Because as much as I love the stuff at the end of the movie with him and Rey basically one on one uh Palpatine. It's and cool. then having a weird, almost incestual kiss. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, and despite the weird teleporting lightsaber, which is a force power that was, like, vaguely Can't, mentioned in last jedi yeah i was like mm, i don't okay sure why not um it is still one of the coolest like 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 you said him slamming into the into the chain going, oh and like the no look shot the all right here we go and fighting the knights of red like it's just so cool and like i think part of it's just because i think kylo's the most literally is the only character with a good developed arc through all three movies um to the point where I wish it was Ray that died at the end of Rise of Skywalker. We all wish Genuinely. that. But not because I don't like the character, but like the idea of Kylo, like the event, you could have a movie afterwards with this, like the adventure of, of, of Ben Solo, which is him going and dismantling the First Order. And, and actually like, having would... to earn redemption and not just, oh, yes. sorry, I'm I think dead you and I talked now, about that's this convenient. Yeah. yeah, like that. that would just... That's so much more interesting to me than where they leave the series in. So I just, yeah, Kylo doing Kylo things, Ben Solo doing Ben Solo things is just so much fun. And yeah. Easily my favorite part of all of Rise of Skywalker, though, also has to do with Kylo Ren. It's when Kylo becomes Ben and he sees his dad and is able to apologize to him. Oh, you forgot about this part, didn't you? Yeah, because it emotionally hits me so hard, and I just forget about it because I was like, "Oh, it was it was a good kept, well kept secret." Yeah, for, for the most part, and it was it, when uh, Harrison Ford shows up, it was like, "Oh no, sorry." Uh, my my heart was not ready for that, and it's shot exactly how it was shot when he killed his dad the first time, except inverted. So instead of inside. At in the dark, it's outside in the light, just a little hazy light, and he's just like, I don't have the strength to do it, and it's what well, he said something about like I'm sorry or mm-hmm. I it hurts, and and his dad's like, I know, and you're like, <laughs> just just stop, just stop. Now I don't think too hard about how he's there and how that caused the death of Leia, but um. Makes it a little complicated, but I think that's one of the best scenes. And Kylo's Adam Driver as Kylo is just acting his butt off, and it's an actual. It is a little bit of a rushed 
turn back to the light. But then again, Anakin's turn to Revenge of the Sith is also very, very quick. So I think they could have, again, if JJ did all three or if Ryan did all three, there would have been more consistency here. Um, so I get why the turn is a little rushed, but I just love that scene so, so much for what it does to the character, for what it brings to the table from an acting perspective. I just, oh, that scene just works for me so much. Yep, I'm with you. Man, it's just like, I think this is, when it comes to the sequel trilogy, this is pinnacle of what you and I are all about, is that even the worst movies have things you can enjoy in them. Because um, Rise of Skywalker is a rushed mess. It is It's by no means a cinematic failure. But I, I need to always say that because, God, like, I don't understand... Okay, that's wrong. I understand this movie get the hate this movie get these movies get, but like, chill out, bro. We could have had Jar Jar as a Sith Lord. Like, chill. There you go, Ben. That's your reference. Now stop <laughs> asking about it. So, <laughs> I love that Ben. But so for those the those that list uh, that don't know, my brother Ben likes to comment on all of our stuff whenever it's Star Wars related, and be like, "So y'all got to talk about Jar Jar being a Sith Lord now?" Or at this point, it's more just a bit. So there, there's your create next creative writing assignment. There, Josh. How would it have gone if Jar Jar was a Sith Lord? Yeah. All right. I got you. <laughs> Alrighty, well, what do you guys think? What are your all-time favorite Star Wars movie moments from each movie? Or do you have one that just reigns supreme over all other Star Wars moments? Let us know. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.